0: The Wolverine gets a second chance, game over for Spy Kids and Laura Croft, and the absolute undisputed third all-time greatest SNL movie this week on 302010. Is that a no? Is that a disagreement? Oh, I can't wait. 302010, 302010, for decades every show, sometimes
1: associated videos. 302010, 302010. Yes, we going to the 90s and 2000s
0: and 2010s. I'm 30, 20, Hello, everyone, and welcome to 302010, the Later Times Weekly pop culture time machine taking you on a journey across three decades in our pop culture past 30, 20, and 10 years ago from this week. Get it? We're going through the week of July 21st to 27th to show you all the great anniversaries and milestones of movies, TV, video games, music, and more Hi, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antista. Who else is with me?
2: I'm Diana Goodman, and I'm here to consume mass quantities of crap.
0: <laughs> it's such a good impression. Thank you.
3: <laughs> and I'm J.R. Rawls, and your grandfather called me a ronin, a samurai without a master. He said I was destined to live forever
0: with no reason to live, bub. Bub! <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, those are little teases for the conversations we have in store. Some of my favorite characters of all time are uh, headed to the big screen. Some fun stuff in uh, movies and some fun stuff in uh, technology news that I grabbed at the last minute. Hi, Chris Antista. That's not what I meant to say. I meant to say patreon.com slash laser time. It's where you can get all of our bonus stuff. We've recorded something about two Bond movies from 40 years ago as a little 30-20-10 tribute jesus we have a bunch of bonus extra stuff how to raise your dorkydom and oh jr did a, and i did a great conversation on ai that should be coming this week very excited about that get extra stuff support your favorite podcast five bucks video game apocalypse included thank you so much now on to our show hey everybody it's 1993 july 21st to 27 what do you think's going on in the world i can tell you uh, something's going to happen that will inadvertently lead to Space Jam, and <laughs> uh, I, I don't mean to trivialize it because it's, of course, not great news. Michael Jordan's father dies in a carjacking.
2: Well, can you call it a carjacking if he's asleep?
0: I
3: yeah, I mean yeah, you're, they're coming in to steal his car. That's a carjacking. I kill an old man. Because things go wrong when you're doing crime with guns. That's why we have big punishment for doing crime with guns, because you don't intend to kill someone. Mm -hmm. But then these guys didn't go, hey, let's go kill Michael Jordan's father. They just wanted the car. Things went wrong. They killed a man. They dumped his body in a swamp. And Mm -hmm. then they made a videotape of themselves rapping while wearing the jewelry of Michael Jordan's dead father. Yeah.
0: Pre social media, so maybe that didn't get them caught in minutes.
2: uh No, but I mean, it's two kids. One was 17, one was 18. They're out in rural North Carolina. His dad was mm-hmm. driving back from a party, probably been drinking, and he pulls over to take a nap, to sleep it off. And they mm-hmm. see this car just sitting there, and they're like, well, let's go check out that car. Oh, shit, there's a guy in it. He's wearing a bunch of jewelry. One of them says, I, you know, basically they both say that the other one is the one that done it. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them. He might have an argument there. I know there's an innocence project trying to help him out but he, I mean it's all in the commission of a crime and you're admitting to the crime although I, wait no one of the guys says he wasn't even there but his alibis I don't know how great they are like
0: I just wore the jewelry and mock the death.
2: Exactly yeah. like you're still involved after the fact but is after the fact mean you should be in jail for 30 years? Uh, mm. yeah also there was a, a lot of uh, corruption problems in that police district. And these are two people of color.
0: It is a surprising scandal that is remains in the media for a while. And I feel like concludes with Jordan retiring prematurely from basketball. Yeah. I mean, he was the biggest sports star in the
3: entire world at this point. His Mm -hmm. father getting murdered is, of course, going to make news. And it had a huge emotional impact on him. As you can see in his documentary, his father was an immensely important figure in his life. And. You know, if your father dies of cancer, you're going to be sad. You are. And that's natural. If your father dies from being murdered, Mm -hmm. that's a whole nother level of emotional crap to have to deal with.
0: Yeah. I mean, I've been fortunate enough to watch my parents' parents go slowly. And it's like when it finally happens, it's just like not great, but just like we We all all saw this coming. Right. Right. And they've emotionally prepared.
2: Yeah. Time to prepare. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Yeah. And this one, he was missing for two weeks because they dumped his body in a swamp and then his body was found
0: awful it's and i don't like sports much but like that sports documentary jordan rides the bus if unless i his dad always wanted him to play baseball or his dad was a bigger baseball fan than a basketball fan is that the case that's the case and and he he retires and it looks like he's going to play pro in the white Sox. get busted down to the minors and that documentary jordan rides the bus is about still the biggest sports celebrity in the world playing in the minor leagues and making a huge circus out of this team that wasn't getting uh, any attention before this and then, yeah. and then this near billionaire is on their team it's, it's 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 the funniest thing to come out of this in addition to space jam which is how the movie starts him quitting baseball <laughs> Too. And going back to, to basketball, which he would, but shouldn't talk too much about that because I went too deep on the Federal Trade Commission finally issuing a ruling following a significant ruling from last year, saying you cannot, you can no longer market this to minors. Which I am shocked it took that long. They they rule one nine hundred numbers must disclose the exact cost of their phone calls and give the caller an opportunity to hang up before being charged because they, <laughs> if you just <laughs> called, you just got charged. Now now.
3: Chris, did you ever try calling these numbers and like hanging up at the exact right time so
0: you wouldn't be charged? I, I feel like my parents beat very few things into my head. But like, if you ever, ever, <laughs> called, because like it was only last year, 1-900 market is, uh, numbers are, are banned from being marketed to minors. You We did a whole show on Laser Time about 900 numbers. Freddy Krueger marketed 900 number Nickelodeon. Wrestling, you don't have the internet. You need updates. How, how would you like to pay two ninety nine dollars a minute over the phone? <laughs> Please get your parents' permission, which there's no way to verify. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> like, you can see Fresh Prince, th- the Fresh Prince himself. Everybody had one. People were making money hand over fist on this. And uh, th- I, it was fascinating to read about the slow decline of 1-900 numbers because they were a pretty shady beacon uh, for, well, not just scammers, but they're, they're all kind of scams. And, like, what they did yeah. was rep- by the internet. And by the end of that, if you weren't on the internet, you know, for sports scores, da- even dating was taken over by the Internet. I did call a 1-900 number being a naughty boy at a house party from someone else's parents' phone. Ooh. And we watched my friend talk about his high school girl problems to this woman who did not force anything to go sexual because she gets paid either way. Well, have have you have you talked to? Have you looked into her interests? No, you're right about it. Was like an hour, so I had, <laughs> I had no idea how much that that person got charged. That was the only my only experience. We were all listening over speakerphone in a kitchen. Uh, okay, it,
3: I think five ninety nine a minute is pretty standard
0: for those things. So sixty yeesh. minutes. Well, it was three hundred and sixty dollars. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so what? What ended up happening? And you know, this is kind of a shitty. Let's say that anti-sex were stuff we were seeing from like OnlyFans and tumblr uh people charges started getting more insane and the number got exclusively associated with something pornographic mm-hmm. so companies started giving you like yeah we're not gonna uphold these porn companies surcharges by like at&t and stuff and then eventually like verizon is the last in 2012 we don't really have these anymore we don't have charging phone numbers anymore and if they do i think they use internet protocol because that isn't regulated at all yet mm-hmm. so <laughs> The one nine hundred number—it's like it's one of those things where, like, I can tell exactly how old you are if you have heard or haven't heard of one. <laughs> <laughs> well, at
2: uh, Asterisk, unless you're a Sir Mixalot fan. What? Oh, because <laughs> they'd have to beep that, because then people could maybe actually call one nine hundred Mixalot and kick your nasty <laughs> thoughts. It was, was adorable.
0: <laughs> they didn't last that long. They were only like twenty years, and they started out adorably. where like that's how the news pulled people you had to have a 50% interest in voting in this poll before there was an internet. And it would cost you 50 cents, and people did. Famously, SNL, you could vote on the death of a lobster. Would Eddie Murphy throw a lobster in a pot? Um, Call the 900. I
3: I think this is an aspect of pop culture that has been preserved the least. Because when these companies went under or whatever, they just threw these tapes away, and you couldn't really record them on the phone. So like the number of 1-900 numbers we have recordings of, of is like less than 1%.
0: Yeah, and, and we did a whole podcast about it where I found every maniac who taped those calls that I could. <laughs> for years, you could call the real Freddy Krueger, and he'd tell you a story. You could call Mean Gene Okerlund, and he'd tell you all about what was happening on WCW Wrestling. Like, it's crazy, and I well, there was a bunch of them. But how many were marketed to kids with undisclosed costs? Like, yeesh. Yeah. You thought... Uh, uh, <laughs> Every time you think like, man, YouTube's going crazy here. I'm like, oh, yeah, people really will prey on kids if they can. Anyway, moving on to our movies of 1993. Wow. Perhaps the most unremarkable <laughs> sequel we'll ever speak of. Man, um,
2: makes makes Weekend at Bernie's 2 look like much more necessary now. Who
0: wanted this? I don't I know. I
2: don't know. Look, Stakeout was popular. It was, it, it. you know, it did well commercially and critically, but that was also seven years ago.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
2: so we have yeah. another stakeout with Richard Dreyfuss, Emilio Estevez, and oh good, this time they added Rosie O'Donnell. That's what this needed.
0: It's it's weird, I, and I like Rosie O'Donnell, but it is weird to think of her as a secret ingredient that will enhance whatever stakeout was. Yeah. and yeah. I, I feel
3: that seven years in 1993 is like two years in 2023. Like yeah. the pop culture lasted a lot longer back yeah. then than it does today.
0: But I think mm. we also talked about it when we talked about the – uh on – patreon the 48 hours because they waited an equally long time and so like i'm finally pop culture aware another stakeout that's a weird name that's oh, a sequel to what <laughs> I, I i don't know i've never i remember seeing this poster next to the movie i did see and like i don't know what that is i have no idea what that is it has no, no pop culture res- resonance with me but another stakeout arrives yeah. and i didn't
2: watch them. every review is like no it's Why? just the, it's just the same thing again but worse yeah. just like another 48 hours <laughs> It's, it's, yeah don't put another don't do another in your title yeah. it makes it harder to shelve at the video store too you can't <laughs> put them together it's so annoying
0: yeah oh man wow those those two movies are much further apart than 48 hours and another 48 hours
2: yeah it's some anyways bullshit. anyway I- now i'm ready to fight you because i okay. rewatched a movie i hadn't seen in 29 years
3: <laughs> and i watched it for the very first time and i'm ready to fight you
2: yeah wow all right fight, yeah, i had fight, a feeling this fight. would happen oh wait let me do that again Fight, 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 fight,
0: fight. <laughs> Nabs, Chris Farley, David Spade, Michael McKeon, Michelle Burke, Jane Curtin, Dan Aykroyd, back together for Coneheads, the movie. What is a seven-letter word for a tomb in ancient Egypt, which is a quadrilateral masonry mass having smooth, steeply sloping sides meeting at an apex? A flimmed Dark. Well-bred wow. and well-fed. Coneheads, rated PG. Okay, okay, look. <laughs>
2: okay.
0: <laughs> okay, look. Okay, look. Uh Maybe it's because when I discovered SNL, it was through reruns and like it's broad and old, but Coneheads is pretty easy for a kid to be like, that's funny. So I already like the Coneheads and I'm becoming the biggest SNL nerd in the world. And this movie comes out. My dad is excited. I am excited. Written by Dan, written and starring Dan Aykroyd. Who is not necessarily at his peak, but he's not in his descent either. I thought it was That's little... what I don't get. Dan
3: Aykroyd is a good screenwriter. This is the man who gave yeah. us Blues Brothers. This is the man who gave us Ghostbusters. Well, why doesn't that translate into him knowing good scripts when it's his acting time?
0: I think if you look into all of those movies, he comes up with the idea. And much better screenwriters take over and put it into something you can put on film. Uh, But I think someone had quoted, like, if you look at the 1980s most bankable stars, Harrison Ford, Dan Aykroyd, number two. His movies grossed the most throughout the 1980s. And, you, you know, Ghostbusters, Blues Brothers, you can see why.
2: Yeah, but he is on the descent now. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, there's there's some highs and lows. You know, my girl. The fact that he's got a, a Oscar nomination out of driving Miss Daisy for no goddamn reason, but we've also had nothing but trouble. We got yeah. Exit to Eden next year, honey. Come yeah. on.
0: Well, it's it's. I thought the mo- I still I, like. I couldn't separate myself. I feel like I sh- I know I should go in thirty twenty ten and say this is unremarkable and bad, but it worked for me in the exact same way at that time. 16 SNL cast members, past and future, are in this movie. Wayne's World is such a huge success. This is the thing they put in the hopper the quickest, other than Wayne's World too, because they always thought this could be... There was an animated special that is lost to time.
2: Oh, uh, I remember seeing it, and I remember I got a minute and a half into it. I, they probably reran it w- with this movie coming out. Animation with nice. laugh track. And I'm like, yes. nope, I refuse. It is a refuse. very
0: ugly it is very ugly, but like what I thought, thought is cool. Like obviously here's the situation, Dan Aykroyd and Tom Davis, who created the characters of Franken and Davis, famous SNL writer. Uh, they make this script and it's very like Coneheads versus the military heavy. And Lauren, Lauren Michaels hired the turners, Bonnie and uh, Terry who helped write Wayne's world and uh, among other movies. And I was shocked to find out like Lauren Michaels is like, no, it should be more a story of immigrants trying to assimilate into America. And like, It is. It kind of, the movie is kind of that. That's the Um, only
2: parts I came close to liking. What
3: they did that wrong even, okay? They didn't have enough conflict in this film. They should have had the Conehead's parents hate living on Earth Mm. and the daughter love living on Earth. That way you could have had more conflict on it. But they they fail at that. They, They don't understand very basic structure. Chris, can I say 55 words to you? <laughs> the Coneheads is considered a bad film for several reasons. Firstly, its weak plot lacks depth and fails to engage the audience. Secondly, the humor is often repetitive, relying on one-note jokes. The film's reliance on dated cultural references also makes it less enjoyable over time. Overall, it lacks the charm and wit of a successful comedy. I
0: I hate you, but I'm not going <laughs> to disagree with you very, very, very hard, because I, I think I'm still dramatically moved by the idea that, like, and I looked into this just to say, like, Chris, don't don't suggest this. This isn't fair. It is really neat for, like, SNL to have another avenue and another medium to, like, play with itself. And, like, there's a lot of funny scenes that just don't stick around a while because they're just there to, like, highlight the current cast of SNL. And people like Jan Hooks and uh, uh, Lorraine Newman and, and, and uh, Garrett Morris and uh, John Lovitz just... And the movie is like Sinbad and like Eddie Griffin, Ellen DeGeneres. You can barely see her in her film debut. Uh, it's got Drew Carey, a billion funny people in very small scenes. Half the cast of Seinfeld is in this movie.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think
0: it's got funny moments, but they're like really low key suburban. These jokes are for middle class. These jokes are for boomers, essentially.
2: Yeah, it's I, I was struggling because it's like on the one hand, it's sort of like maybe this premise. The point is, this premise cannot go 90 minutes. This was mm. fun in a four minute chunk. But then it was, no, if they had played into the immigrant thing, maybe there's more they could do with that. Or, the, you know, their outsider status, desperately trying to be inside. Some, there's more they could do. And, like, every joke is it's basically a joke for kids. Like, this movie yes. would work a lot better for, you know, 12-year-olds. To the moon. Then, then, but Love then the modern 12-year-olds aren't going to get some of the references now. I just found it like oh god like i remember just being like eh not great and this one was like wow that that's bad
3: what about i mean we've got to consider how they originated okay the coneheads originated on snl on an episode hosted by ralph nader before (laughs) i was born okay it's
0: it's a different type of humor and the script writer the coneheads had not been seen while i'd been born like <laughs> and, and now i'm like I'm, I'm 13 years old but i you know i knew with them i love I, I don't know i yeah. still got a kick out of it and well, i got a kick out of seeing all these snl characters in very small moments
2: yeah, uh, that Adam
0: was... is basically playing a, an early version of his uncut gems character <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah there was a moment, oh look who's here but and i appreciate that they just come and go that there isn't a yeah. wow it's blankety but honestly bonnie and terry turner would take this concept and do a much better job with it because they created Third Rock from the Sun.
0: Yes. So that's that's my, that was my, I had that in the barrel. If my co-hosts hate this, Jane Curtin and uh, the writers of this movie went and made third, third Rock from the Sun, which is almost the exact same premise. Yeah,
2: and does such and, a better job.
0: And maybe that's It goes, goes on movie. so much
2: longer. You'd think that they would run out of ideas, but no, you never but do. But this was,
0: this was Paramount pushing like after Wayne's World SNL stuff needs to be a movie and I'm like that's what you should do you should have one of your former or current writers write a film make an ensemble thing where everybody can come in for a moment and shine film it during the summer during your down period everybody makes a little extra money but I found out no they were filming this during the SNL year and they're flying back and forth to LA and I can't imagine anybody had that positive experience even with their small roles here it was a lot of work for very little but I, I I wish yeah, I wish SNL, SNL is even on the air right now. I don't know if it'll ever come back. I miss it. Um, yeah, but yeah, wait for big fan. Be, I was becoming a big fan of SNL and this solidified it somehow. And I, I still like it. And you're wrong. I, <laughs> <sighs>
2: <sighs> Actually, everyone... no, I, hate, I hate saying people's opinions are wrong, but the nostalgia goggles have could, completely blinded you on this. I this could is, be guilty of that. I, I remember this as being a meh movie and hot damn. I was like, oh, wow, I was wrong. Except this
3: was a slog, yeah. and really? I would so much have rather watched Toon Sis, The Driving Cats, the movie, <gasps> or Matt Foley, Motivational Speaker, the movie. Mm. You know,
2: What about
0: Chris we... Farley's performance in this film?
3: I thought it was hilarious.
2: He's actually pretty I charming. Like yeah,
3: I like thought... seeing the beginning of Farley. I can see his best role, which is Tommy Boy, mm-hmm. being born in this performance. It's kind of him getting that wings to fly.
0: And I'll just say... Tommy Boys put together by the same studio, the same producers. Dan Aykroyd is in it as well. Some of the same writers. And it's like David Spade and Chris Farley. This is part of their trilogy, even though they don't share a scene together. And uh, huh. yeah, and, I, I... they both play kind of the same characters. They always do. Mm. Right. And and and, and that's the, the my biggest tip of the hat ahead of its time, went over my head, Michael McKeon as the INS agent. <laughs> His proposals are only slightly more barbaric and callous than The Last Presidents.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And and <laughs> I just love that scene. He's on a megaphone, a boat full of immigrants. I understand your dilemma, but we have problems of our own. Like, it's such a, it's such <laughs> a silly character to make the INS agent the villain, I think, was ahead of its time. Yeah. And Michael McKeon was so good at it. could have done more with that. He becomes an SNL cast member in a few months because they're desperate Crazy. he wasn't desperate he was having they fun. were desperate
2: they, they were needed
0: desperate. a ringer that's yeah. why yeah yeah and directed by steve Barron, his second best movie after ninja turtles director of the billy jean music video aha's take no, on shit Man. yeah like yeah. Uh, and you, you only see sort of those yeah jim henson's the storyteller like uh yeah a real good visual director and you know this is not a real feather in the cap he makes a couple more movies and I, I don't know much more about his career. Shit. And but if I'm alone, I'm alone. There's one person who will stick up for me. It was controversial two years ago. Dan Aykroyd said, and I read this for the show in a Parade magazine feature. <laughs> this is the best performance of his career, and he thinks it's the best thing he's ever done.
3: No, yeah. oh, no. I'm sorry. We just covered Blues Brothers. I, he
0: does a much better performance. You than should that see film. Reddit go wild. And also maybe that that it's just reddit your takes are bad too spies like us is a piece of shit no one cares no 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 my stepmother is an alien that's the dan Aykroyd performance. <laughs> Shut up. but but uh i he most of the rational people like i think he might have been as far as something he created and that he liked in that his performance in the movie because dan akroyd's you couldn't put anybody else in that role dan Aykroyd may not have been the most famous original snl cast member but i think he might have been the best hmm. and he, he, was, he and he didn't get to do a lot of stuff like this he was just kind of a smiling was like bill, bill murray Michael one murray. of the originals technically yeah but after the first then, season, yeah he's the best he didn't bill murray shined way brighter in films than he did on snl hmm. and the fact because yeah he he he's not there for as long as everybody else he's only there longer than chevy chase no but dan Aykroyd is a utility player he's like a guy a bill Hader, a guy who does Great impressions, comes up with great ideas. John Belushi and Bill Murray and uh, Chevy Chase stuck out as like the biggest stars. But I think, yeah, Dan Aykroyd's the best. I love that man. And he loves a- he loves aliens. If you haven't looked into <laughs> Dan Aykroyd, <laughs> he sells Crystal Skull Vodka for a reason. He loves aliens. And, he, and I think that may be what he meant as far as something he created in the, in the 70s and saw through to a movie in the 90s. It's not a bad way to think about something you created. Uh, yeah, anyway, sorry. Everything cognizance. doesn't need
2: it. to be a movie.
0: Oh, and uh, one of the things Matt and I are talking about on Patreon.com slash lasertime Time, it was sort of about like, you know, you grow up and maybe you cohabitate a house and you don't have a lot of room for like 800,000 pop figures. I tend to be like, once every two years, I want to buy myself a unique, one-of-a-kind dork thing. And because I'm the only one who loves this movie, in auction two years ago was the Garthak at the end of the movie, the uh, which oh. is pretty much just a Rancor yeah. with with yeah. a cone head made by <laughs> phil, phil Tippett. <laughs> i
2: mean it's a nice stop motion guy at the point where they leave the planet i'm just like wow we are so done in this movie what is the point no now? that's that's the because guy. now like now the whole the immigrant thing is gone now it's a fish in water situation is that funny I will say the
3: the only thing that really made me laugh in this film was when David Spade became a slave and his yeah. job is exactly the same. <laughs> yes. He's just kissing up to the new emperor, and you're so right. Hey, let me take that report. I'll give it to the emperor. It's fine. It's fine.
0: Yeah. I, mean, yeah, I thought that was, that was pretty cool that they established that throughout the film, that he always steps in, like, ooh, let me hand that to him. He's he's yeah. A yeah. um Yeah. But I, I the, like as far as SNL movies go, this has the biggest effect sequence. But I saw the the Garthak on on auction, and like rather than a bunch of stupid small pop figures, this thing was going for a hundred dollars. Like, Jeez, I'll take the the, the puppet for a hundred dollars. Of course, it went higher, and I didn't get it. Mm. But like, yeah, focus on something truly dorky that that can be a conversation piece in your house. All right, but Chris, you called this the third best yes. SNL movie. Yeah. Wrong. So
3: Blues Brothers number one. Do we all agree on that? I. Pro- nope. That could be an even longer show because uh, right. the, okay. the top two in is- in, in the top two Blues Brothers or Wayne's World, yeah, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Okay, Wayne's World two. Does that count? Yes. I, it's so good. So
0: Wayne that's number great. three, right there. Yeah. We've got three. It's one, just two, and three. As good as Wayne's World and this is, but like, it's
3: better than this film.
0: I think yeah. a, that's that's subjective. I I'm okay. sure the audience will come to defend this movie. No, they won't. I, I cannot <laughs> find fans of this film. I'm the only one.
3: I'm gonna throw this out there. Here. Stuart Saves His Family is a very much
0: better film than this film. Yes. Very good.
2: Oh, my God, yes.
0: It's very... I forgot about Stuart Saves His Family. It is very... Harold Ramis says it was his favorite movie that he made, that he wow. directed. We'll it's, talk about it in two years.
2: Oh, God. Yeah,
0: yeah, because it's shel- It's probably being made right now and being shelved as we speak. Mm. <laughs> uh, it's already 2010 history. I'll move on. I'll move on. I would love to hear from other coneheads the movie, because I, I don't... I, I have very scant memories of the sketches, like what aired at Nick at Night in, like nineteen eighty nine mm. i I don't but the movie I, I owned and watched over and over again, so for me, it was comfort food. I get it that it's the Turners specialized in uh sitcom family jokes, and that's what they were brought in to do on Wayne's world, and that's what they were brought in to do on this to rewrite Aykroyd's script and that's you can see in Third Rock from the Sun boom that's fully the Turners taking this concept into television, yeah. moving on to the it, yeah it, this cost twenty million made thirty. Uh, I mm. thought it was funny. There was a shitload of promotion all over the the world, and if you lived in Europe, you saw this on VHS. Despite movie standees out the ass because of the performance it does here, Ugh. even though that Subway partnership it's it's, oh. it's a rare instance of like they, there was a bidding war over who got to be the food the Coneheads ate fast, in Subway one over Burger King, but it, but because it's so corporate, one. Like a uh, Happy Gilmore, they don't cut the footlongs. People just pick up, like, large footlongs and, and hold them like flutes. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, it's funnier that way. I yeah. guess it is. Uh, but you can see in the background how much sandwiches cost. And, man, it'll depress you. <laughs> 79 cents. What was there for 79 cents? A green pepper? Holy fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think the movie's great. It has flaws, but so do SNL sketches. They're not perfect. You just come out on time with funny people.
2: Not but, uh, everything has to be a movie. It it's was true. fine as a sketch. It's, it's fine. true, but, but
0: after something like Wayne's World, it's worth a shot, right? Like, uh, I don't know. There really is only three sketch concepts, I think, that work worked as a movie. MacGruber, almost an accident. Ladies' Man, very distant fifth. Mm. And everything else, that was not good. Uh, moving on to the number one movie at the box office. Uh, Tira Farrell, Joe Torre. Uh, Regina King Tupac Shakur and Janet Jackson number one baby poetic justice listen
1: I will be so glad to get out of here
0: to your generation
1: don't start no fight
0: now listen
1: I'm a black woman okay I deserve respect
0: to your world
1: figure out what
3: you're gonna do with your life listen how can you be in love if you don't know nothing about it to your heart nobody can make it out here alone
0: Janet Jackson Tupac Shakur Poetic justice from the director of Boys in the Hood, Woo, rated R. How about that? Oh my! Not for me. I, I watched a little bit of this. And I just... am
2: no, I am just. I am disappointed because make it look your your second movie after your first movie is such a monster hit, critically and commercially, and like important. You've made an important film like mm-hmm. Boys in the Hood. What you follow it up with is always going to be hard. Always very very difficult and i appreciate that john singleton's idea was like there are enough movies about black women i want to talk about black women's experience
0: make a movie for another movie for an underserved audience
2: yeah on the other hand i don't see a woman co-writer on this john (laughs) i hope you did your research john because i hear the word bitch more than i've ever heard in a single movie my entire life (laughs) oh it's so uneven though and there was so much that i really liked and then there's so much oh. that I just was like, ah oh, snore.
3: Siskel and Ebert pointed out that Boys in the Hood was about whether young men can get along with each other. And this film is about whether young men and young women can get along with each other.
2: Yes. Yeah. And part of my complaint is that for a movie that's supposed to be about women and their experiences... Most of the female characters are, like, really negative stereotypes of women. Mm -hmm. Like, there's the one woman who just, you know, just uses men for money. And then, you know, there's other – there's kind of a constant thing of, like, sex is something that women allow men to do to them to get stuff from the men. They string men along by offering them sex. I'm like, is there a woman in this movie that enjoys sex? Could we have <laughs> one of them, maybe, please? It was
0: something I had to slowly learn because media did not portray that very well. It, Sexual interest of women.
2: Yeah. Uh, that just kind of threw me off. Of, like, this, this is the game that the sexes are playing. Mm-hmm. Like, is, uh, this is like some incel shit. Come on, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I hate to tell Over- you about this, but sometimes women like to do it, too.
0: I know, but I, every time I saw it depicted in mass media in the 80s, 90s, it's like, uh, yeah, yeah give, I give women blanket, they give me corn. And yeah.
2: <laughs> hmm. yeah, right. Is, is women... Marge
0: Simpson uh-huh. the most
3: sexually positive figure <laughs> from Eventually. the late 80s, early 90s? Because she
0: likes to fuck. Yeah, that she, is clear in early Simpsons. She mentions it more than Homer, as long as you know what snuggling means. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that that just bugged me, but like everyone's really good in it.
0: Hey Roseanne, you know.
2: oh yeah, Roseanne, they they went at it. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah, like Janet Jackson and Tupac, they have like really good chemistry. And I mean, the plot is that her boyfriend was horribly murdered in front of her, and so she's like depressed and closed off, and then ends up on this road trip up to Oakland with Tupac and Regina King and her boyfriend, and they they grow and learn along the way. Except I've Look, I've driven L.A. to Oakland and back a hundred mm-hmm. times. <laughs> what the fuck route are they taking?
0: Oh, no.
3: One of those things. Well, they're driving a mail van. They've got to, like, make deliveries along the way. No, the wrong side of the
1: road. They're
2: driving a mail van that's, like, 10% full. And they seem to be taking Route 1, but it seems like they're, they have to drive it all to Oakland. It's one shipment to Oakland. So they should be taking the 5, which takes 6 hours. It looks like they're taking the 1, which takes 12. Like, why are you taking the scenic route? Because the ideas are supposed to get up there and meet up, you know, drop off the truck and meet up with Tupac's cousin. And then when they get there, they found it. Oh, great. He's got shot, too. But I do appreciate this movie did not pull a crossroads on me. I really thought where we are going with this because she's always writing poetry, which P.S. is written by fucking Maya Angelou. Jesus. And uh, Tupac is, you know, getting into music with his cousin. it's like, this ends with him putting her poem to music, right? No. No, it doesn't. Even though that kind of would be a nice symbol of them, like meeting in the middle because like he learns to treat women better and she learns to open up and no, none of that.
0: Yeah. I, so like, I didn't rewatch this. I'd watch this when it, um I finally got HBO like a few years later and you'd see it pretty frequently, but it was MTV paid a ton of attention to it because Tupac yeah. secure was also in a, in the news a lot and yeah. they were treating it like, yes, yeah, this is going to be a generational film. And I'm sure for some people it is because I don't know of many romantic John John, uh, romantic genre pictures, and tr- melodramas of this uh, age group for black people it, at this mm. point. It's, uh, but it didn't really do anything for me and it was rated R. So I remember by the time it came time to see it, I couldn't. Mm. And, <laughs> But it, it's also interesting to me. It's like Janet Jackson's b- a big, biggest role ever and Tupac Shakur and Janet Jackson would, not act again and tupac would primarily act from here on out he would mm-hmm. do more movies and albums after this
2: well as long as he's not beating up hughes brothers again and then bragging about it on yo mtv well brothers. it
0: turns out he's, he's pretty talented
2: yeah um, no he's he's good uh, you know and it's it's nice to see him try something it's you know lighter <sighs> than juice was and you see like oh yeah no he definitely had promise and
3: th- that's just i can't help wondering the what ifs you know yeah. if he would have lived lived would he have gone on to win an academy award would he have gone on to star in a bunch of family comedies it's i really
0: mean possible. that's possible you, you That's it's impossible but like if i would have sat you down to an early episode of mad tv and say pick which one's gonna win an oscar would you have gone with <laughs> i don't know <laughs> yeah I don't know. But yeah, Poetic, it's just one of those movies like wasn't, it's not, it wasn't special to me. So I, I it's just, it was just another melodrama. Uh, But uh, I should, I, I, I wanted to make time to rewatch it. It just didn't get to, it didn't, didn't do much for me when it, and I've seen it a couple times.
2: Yeah. No, it's, it's, uh, it's frustrating because it's good, but it could be a lot better. And there is some, there's some parts where it just kind of feels repetitive. Like, okay, are we, are we going to move on? Like, mm-hmm. can we move on from yes she's still depressed i gotcha like depression is hard to film so
3: i don't know if janet jackson's incredibly hard to film i mean people do not like to watch other people be depressed if you're ever depressed like people don't generally want to spend time with you and that translates into the screen (laughs) you don't what is the most famous depressed character in
0: fiction where people are just oh (laughs) that is might be and it it really does it's painful to watch
2: yeah so yeah and uneven there is some good stuff in there it's all not quite a recommend for me but yeah i I don't know if janet jackson is
0: a good actress i I, it's hard to tell because she's she's still like one of the prettiest icons in the universe at this point and it's hard to separate that or at least maybe she didn't give me enough to separate that you know Mm. i'm just i'm still looking at janet jackson yeah. Anyway, anyway, you tell us what you think. We have got plenty of places to do that. 1993 television, some big premieres, especially if you're a Comedy Central kid. Uh, this is we're seeing like the dawn of cable counter programming when network TV doesn't give a fig. Here we have a big one, something that might irritate a lot of people out there. <laughs> give it <laughs> the status. Comedy Central debuts politically incorrect with Bill Maher, and the the first episode is online. I'm trying to remember who it's the his guests are Jerry Seinfeld, Larry Miller, Robin Quivers. And some politician. <laughs> and there's a very light monologue. Look, okay, okay, let me. I have a ton of issues with Bill Maher. I grew up loving this show and I grew up thinking of him as a man, a, a dirty mouth voice of reason in a time of insanity. And then I got to watch in the last decade or so constantly disappoint me and say things I find occasionally reprehensible. Mostly just eye rolling. Like, hmm. shut up! Why does this guy still have one of the only shows on HBO? Get someone else in there. Aren't probably these probably because it's cheap to film? I mean, it, it, yeah. it, it, its ratings can't be understated. The people who are actually buying HBO and watching this are my dad's age. And every once in a while, I have to call him. Like, you watched Bill Maher last night? He's full of shit. Here's why: because I know he's my dad.
1: <laughs>
0: and but but at this time, you had talk shows and you had PBS and. Yeah. Getting in, like, understanding politics, this show was helpful because they would put on a comedian, there'd be a real light monologue, and then 20 minutes of a mixture of comedians and, like, real-deal pundits and real-deal actual politicians.
3: I'm going to come to the defense of this, too, because I feel like this is the proto-John Stewart Daily Show. You know, Mm. when John Stewart came out with the Daily Show, it was like, we're talking about news, but we're doing it in a fun way that engages with the youth. Politically incorrect with Bill Maher was the very basic version of that. Like, we're going to be talking about serious subjects, but we're going to have people you know talk Mm -hmm. about them. Some of them aren't going to have a clue what they're talking about, but it's going to be an entertaining discussion, and you're going to tune in and get some viewpoints that you've never heard before. And I think that has a lot of value. I think exposing yourself to viewpoints that you don't agree with is good. And let me throw this out here. This television show in the early 90s has such... Better communication between people of opposing viewpoints than you will see on Fox today (laughs) or other places today. I mean, when you watch shows today, I don't watch cable TV television so I'm just going off of what I see on internet clips here but it seems like neither of you are actually trying to communicate with each other Mm -hmm. you're just yelling and trying to rise up your fan base I watched an old episode of this and I watched it when it was coming out and you have people genuinely trying to express ideas to people who disagree with those ideas and I think there's value in that
0: please tell me it was one of the ones I went down the rabbit hole on Sarah Silverman trying to defend a racial slur (laughs) it's like it's so uncomfortable because every you you can't say the c word about asians that's like calling a black person the n-word they don't say the got it got it (laughs) took me a while they they don't say the word they say the words everybody does except for david spade who has the has the wherewithal like maybe i shouldn't say the n-word on television sarah silverman didn't think that because she did Hmm. and she's talking to asian activists and they're arguing but it's just I feel like uh oh man is it sad that that thing is crystallized it's really uncomfortable to listen to but that was why it was exciting because it wasn't something being said on other shows and I'm also of two minds because as we whether you're taking I don't know pride or depressed by what's happening on Twitter there's something that like comes from this speaking in sound bites like a uh, oh Twitter is a garbage platform. Like if you specifically (laughs)
3: design a method to communicate to increase the level level of hatred and uh, frustration Mm -hmm. while decreasing the level of actually information, I don't think you could do better than Twitter. I think that is like peak.
2: The only thing you could do is tweak Twitter the way it's been tweaked to make it even fucking worse. Yeah. So that anything you say will now have a bunch of paid blue checks all up at the top. Uh, using slurs against you and then they, they don't get removed. Yeah.
0: Well, I have I have three favorite moments I want to highlight and I didn't want to take too long by grabbing sound clips because I don't even know if they're out there. Who was mm. recording Comedy Central in 1993? Janine Garofalo, they put her on with like three gray-haired men mm. and like halfway through the show, she just jumps onto the center table and does a spin to letting everyone know she's still there. <laughs> and and <laughs> second, Robert Loja, patron saint of laser time, comes on to promote Independence Day. And Bill Maher just opens up like, this is the stupidest fucking movie I've ever seen. And, and it basically <laughs> goes on like, you know, kind of a light stand up rant, like, eh, what is the alien ship, Mac compatible? And Robert Loja does not take it in stride. He gets very, very pissed. And like, I've never <laughs> talked to ever like this about a movie I'm trying to, pr- it's, can't find it, but I have a distinct memory of it. And perhaps the absolute best one Bill Maher has on four wrestlers and is being absolutely shitty about the profession and Roddy Piper stands up in that's, his face and like say, pulls down his pants and shows his metal hip metal hip fake shoulder this <sighs> look all of his in- injuries, Quint style, and Bill is uh, sitting there like looking terrified.
2: <laughs> being a talk show I, host and giving wrestlers shit is a good way to get a concussion, comma, yeah. a French Chateau if you're Richard Belzer.
0: If you're Richard Belzer.
2: <laughs> yeah. They will drop you and knock you unconscious, and then you'll have to sue everybody.
3: I, I think it was politically incorrect. I'm not sure where Jesse Ventura said something like, is ballet fake? Yeah. Like, do you do you jump up in the middle of, of a ballet performance and say, "She's not a swan. Yeah. She's not actually a swan."
0: Yeah, this isn't Game of Thrones. Isn't real. That guy's on Deadwood. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. So it's it is weird though that this went two or three years on Comedy no, Central and then jumped to ABC.
0: It, it goes until two thousand two, almost ten years.
2: Right, but no, right. after it had jumped to ABC.
0: Oh, it's, it spends the majority of its life on ABC. It does, saying? yeah. Okay. It went,
2: it went eight seasons, and I think two or three, three, I want to say, from ninety three to ninety six is on Comedy Central, and yeah. then it jumps to ABC because ABC doesn't have anything that's any better at late night, and they're they're having to deal with uh, Leno versus Letterman now.
3: Mm-hmm. So, and, and
2: this moves up. This this moves to the big leagues.
3: I don't want to say politically incorrect wasn't a common phrase before this show, but I feel like this definitely had a help in making it be so pervasive mm. in the early 90s. Yeah. I mean well,
2: We heard so much during like 92 and and the election about Clinton being politically correct. That's the first time I heard that phrase was that election. He's so politically correct, which is just woke. It's the same thing. They're just changing the words on us again. When they say politically incorrect, they mean woke. When they say woke, they mean politically incorrect. And both of them, I'm actually hearing you calling me a slur because you can't say that word instead. Yeah. That's right, I went there. Yeah. But,
0: uh, like, because long story short, Bill Maher's always been this way. And my only truly light defense of him as we wrap our politically correct, he is one of the few people who actually has a right to be afraid of cancel culture because it did happen yep. to him. I'll
2: give him He that said one. something
0: that was just kind of objectively true that people objected to and lost his career over it. Yep. And then well, just, and
2: immediately got it back on HBO.
0: Immediately got it back with what he, he still has now. So that yeah. show
2: is—he's so been at this for thirty years now. Basically, pretty much the same format. Mm-hmm. You know, four panelists versus three panelists, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I've yeah. been to a live taping of this. Uh, if anyone really? wants to look it up, from hmm. uh, it would have been nineteen ninety nine, and you can see me sitting behind Dan Cortez. <laughs>
0: the greatest thing oh uh, everybody has better stories than me i've told all mine yeah uh, well
2: that was when i was just at the uh, at the fairfax farmer's market with my friend who was in town we were doing la stuff and if they don't have enough people for the audience they just go to the farmer's market and be like hey you want to go see the show so we were lined up next to the, the price is right people who are insane and we're just like yeah fuck it let's just go we we're busy eating lunch and yeah there, a perfect la experience let's go see a tv show it was cool
0: Uh, more on the things that are more well universally beloved in this audience mst3k season five begins with hercules
3: (sighs) oh
0: yeah the the thing about this season is
3: i don't feel like internet culture was pervasive outside of usenet so i don't feel like the average mst3k viewer knew
0: that this was joel's last season no, and because it's kind so. of it was abrupt for me because it happens in the, not the middle of the season, but it's no, like, it's at the exact middle. We're going to talk it, about is it. Is it's it, the uh, middle. Okay, it might be the twelfth. Yeah, you're, you're, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I know the episode. It is, and it's one of my favorites from Mitchell. My my my, my my uh, Mitchell. Yeah. my Mitchell. Um,
2: my 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 God.
0: No, I, I don't. I don't think. I think it. What's great about MST is that it was always this little thing happening in Eden Prairie, Minnesota, and was kind of immune from even reporting on. Like, if people wanted to do a piece pre-internet, they'd have to just go there and <laughs> talk to these people and take pictures. So the show has very few guest stars and lived outside of the L.A. Hollywood ecosystem. And, and I, yeah, you're right. I don't remember them promoting very heavily there's a new season of this because they made so much of it. 24 episodes for the for this season and the next one. Yeah, and each episode is two hours. So, holy shit.
3: Holy crap. I mean, there are like five season long prestige television shows mm-hmm. that do not have as much content as yeah. one season of MST3K. <laughs>
0: It's why like I never complain. when ah, Ten episode season, fine. Like it's still more content than most. Uh, it'll give me more content for many years, and I won't complain. Uh, but is this the first Steve Reeves movie? Because like, I, no, I, there'd been previous Hercules, okay. but it was like Hercules versus
3: the Moon Man, mm. Hercules versus the Amazon Women or on Steve the
2: Moon.
0: Steve Reeves Hercules movie because they they did kind of do a couple songs about Steve Reeves. Hercules. Yeah, I, mm-hmm.
2: was Hercules Unchained before this. I want to say I don't yes. think that's oh, my no. yes. I think that's my favorite.
0: Hercules movie.
3: I feel like Hercules was the last Hercules film. (laughs) Very (laughs) confusing. On MST3K.
0: Very confusing. But as we talked about like swashbucklers, like MST3K is where I get a lot of context for an entire genre of movie that pirates was bringing back your mythic swashbuck buckler adventure movies yeah, shot yeah. in italy
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> so, shot uh, in italy for eight bucks yeah
0: yeah <laughs> so msc3k i salute you please let there be another season and please don't make me pay a hundred dollars for it the young indiana jones chronicles ends Ends. yep Ends.
3: Okay, so this is the end of the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles as a television show. It's going to continue as a series of TV movies, which even for an insane indie fan like me was incredibly hard for me to figure out when they were. Mm-hmm. Okay, they just showed this series across every time slot they could, moved it. It was incredibly hard.
0: While it's this- changing chronology, so you never really know if you're... Missing an episode, because it might take place 20 years in the past or 20 years in the future. <laughs> so I've started re-watching it uh, with my
3: son, who's a history not like me. Yay! It is a joy to explore this sense of history that this show, which is 30 years old, manages to capture. But... <sighs> they made so many structural decisions that were just plain wrong. Mm. They should have had it been chronologically. Uh, Your 1993 audience was not set up to have it be, oh, now it's 1919. Now it's 1916. Now it's uh, 1909. That, That was too confusing for them. It really shouldn't have been that. And this series gets deep into history. This episode that ends the series is all about the Versailles Treaty, Okay, and it's an exceedingly well done episode. I have actually shown it to multiple history classes as this is a good summary. If you want to see what it was like to negotiate the Treaty of Versailles, this is a perfectly great summary of that in 43 minutes that brings you from start to finish. And 1993 audiences didn't want to see peace treaties. I'm sorry, (laughs) they they didn't. (laughs) That's not that. I mean, think of how many war movies there are. And think of how many few movies there are about treaties to end wars.
0: Mm-hmm. Star Trek 6, that's about it. Yeah, yeah. just there, about. There's a reason for that. And,
2: like, this is a good one. There's so many players at Treaty of Versailles, and it fucks up so bad. That's why we have a second world war. It directly sets up World War II. They should have fucking known. But, no, yeah. they're dicks.
3: A, a French general said, this is not a peace treaty. This is an armistice for 20 years. And he was wrong by four months.
2: Nailed it. But I'm lo- they just
3: called the episode Indiana Jones and the Treaty of Versailles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, they should have done that. They should have done a lot of things. But I was heartbroken when this went off the air. I was just like the biggest young indie fan in the world. I taped all the episodes I could. And I just was so desperate for indie content. And once this was gone, you know. Wow. Boy, did you wait. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Boy,
0: did I wait. 2008, 15 years yeah. until you see yeah. indie on, on screen again.
2: God damn. Wow.
0: wow. And like uh, then wrapping things up a little with games Color a Dinosaur <laughs> <laughs> for Nintendo. I can't imagine what this game's about. Uh, <laughs> oh my God. This is barely a game. Okay. You
3: get 20 dinosaurs to color and that's the game man and it's not even a good coloring system you can you can pick like four different colors and you can add dots to those colors and that's it that's the coloring system i guarantee you the uh pitch meeting for this was like hey i've got ms paint what if we made that crappy and included dinosaurs? I bet we could get some stupid, stupid kids to buy it. And I know there are so many kids out there who is like, "Oh my gosh, mommy, daddy, I want to color dinosaurs. This will be my birthday gift. Please, please, please!" And this is the only video game they had for six months. And I it's- feel for
0: you, yo. In and like the Super Nintendo is out. I, the thing I think we might be overlooking, I'm gonna bet this was like somewhere between ten and 20 dollars. No, you, you know are wrong, telling? Chris. Really? You are objectively wrong. I guarantee you this was forty to sixty dollars. I've never which seen is that, 80 uh, to almost, on dollars box, almost as big as the logo, it just says from ages three to six, intentionally limiting its audience. So I don't know. Somehow Tommy Tallerico is the composer. <laughs> right, Steve. And then the the, the better game by better, I mean weirder, mighty final fights. One of uh, fifty dollars. In July of nineteen ninety-three, <gasps> it
3: cost fifty US dollars. Oh
2: shit. my god, that is a which 100, is one hundred
3: dollars today. Hundred okay, so
2: smackers for bad MS paint.
3: You get the most like deluxe pre-order all bells and whistles version of Grand Theft Auto Six. It's gonna cost you <laughs> Less than Color of Dinosaur on NES, <laughs>
0: adjusted for inflation. Oh, and I love that. Its uh, only oh. claims to fame on the wiki is in Nintendo Power, which Nintendo owns. And didn't talk negatively about anything because it was all meant to make Nintendo money. If it reviewed under a certain... They don't post bad reviews. This is its ninth worst game on the NES of all time. The one time. (laughs) Wow. But yeah, Mighty Final Fight is a valiant effort on Capcom's part to bring the the fantastic Final Fight. What? 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 What about... Holy fuck. I'm looking it up on eBay. Oh, no. Guess the price of this motherfucker on eBay. Everything that released... After the Super Nintendo came out, became rare automatically, and I'm guessing very few people bought this game, which makes it even rarer, mm-hmm. I'm going to guess $500. Diana?
2: i uh, will go half that. 250
3: Okay. Okay. Uh, we're looking at, for just the cartridge, $219. Oh. If you want the box, $930.
0: <laughs> 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 wow. Oh. Fuck. I, yeah. <laughs> I was just talking about NES collector prices last night, plugging a future appearance on Paduken. And and yeah, it used to be so easy to try and catch them all. And no, $900 for the biggest piece of shit. Eat a dick, complete collectors. Wow. So so all those,
2: just putting off Mighty Final Fight one more time. Those those poor kids who got screwed over by buying color a dinosaur. But if they were also hoarders. Yeah. Basically, they made their money back.
3: Uh, more so i mean you know you can make a uh a month's worth of rent in a cheap place for color me a dinosaur
0: mm-hmm. wow wow all right rare comic book guardians of the lost library by don rosa uh is okay out, uh, 30 years ago
3: this is in my opinion possibly and i recognize that reasonable people can disagree with this The best Uncle Scrooge story of all time. Oh, shit. I have not read it. Shots fired. I'm going to say this. If they ever make an Uncle Scrooge movie, like I know they made DuckTales the movie, whatever. I'm talking about Uncle Scrooge the movie, not DuckTales the movie. Carl Barks, Don Rosa, I want it to be this story. This is all about Uncle Scrooge really wanting to find the lost, spoilers alerts for a 30-year-old comic book, by the way, Mm. the lost books from the uh, great library of Alexandria. And he Mm -hmm. keeps going on adventure after adventure after adventure. And the books keep getting compressed and compressed and compressed and compressed. And at the very end of the story, it's revealed that the lost knowledge of all throughout history has been compressed into the junior motherfucking woodchooks guidebook. (laughs) And, Huey, Dewey, and Louie have had the combined knowledge of all the ancient wisdom throughout all of Uncle Scrooge's adventures, and he can't get
0: it because he's not a junior woodchuck. (laughs) (laughs) And you're probably okay to spoil it because I... Did we say that on the show? Don Rosa's stuff, he said Disney is, has no plans to ever republish this stuff again. And when ah. you Google it, the first thing that comes up is PDF, because that's kind of the only way you can read it. Moving on to music, 1993. New releases include Evolution of a Oletta Adams, Debravation by Deborah Harry, Black Sunday by Cypress Hill self-titled debut of Candlebox, Ooh. represent by fat joe uh and sex and religion by steve Vai. we're going to close out this segment with can't help falling in love with you by uh can't help falling in love sorry by ub40 because it's number one but stay right there We've got a lot more stuff to talk about in the next
1: segment
0: Coming in with My Love is Like Woo by Maya off of Woodring, who I only know her from my two favorite soundtracks in the world, Rugrats and Bullworth. Um...
2: (laughs) (laughs) No collection is complete without.
0: (laughs) Yes. Welcome to 2003, 10 years in the future, 20 years in the past, uh, from where you're listening. New releases also include Phantom Power by Super Furry Animals. We also got The Artist in the Ambulance by Thrice, Chariot by Gavin DeGraw, Uh, Dude Descending a Staircase by Apollo 440. (laughs) (laughs) Friends of Mine by Adam Green. It's All in Your Head by Eve Six. Mud on the Tires by Brad Paisley. Ocean Avenue by Yellow Card. A Lethal Dose of American Hatred by Super Joint Ritual. Rip the Jacker. Oh, that's a great name. By Cannabis. A better name. Uh, Special One by Cheap Trick. Strays by James Addiction and the self-titled debut of Three Days Grace Crazy in Love" by Beyonce, featuring is number one. Still, welcome to 2003. Let's wade you into the world of 20 years ago with members of the 101st Airborne Kill, Saddam Hussein's son, Uday and Kusei. Uh, oh,
2: these pieces of shit. Yeah.
3: Yeah, these were really redonkulously bad guys. I mean, they, they were very much... Uh, rape is fun, right? Yeah.
2: Right, guys? It's fun when I just shoot people at a party.
0: I mean, you think you've seen spoiled pieces of shit. Imagine growing up under a dictator with limitless funds.
2: hmm Yeah, so Ude and Kuse, and Kuse's 14-year-old after a massive, like, four-hour gun battle. And, uh, yeah, the 14-year-old came out with an AK. So I don't blame him for that. Whoa. But I, I do appreciate how this happened. Obviously, these guys are in hiding because of the, you know, big Iraq war invasion going on, and they're hiding out with, like, a friend of a friend, and the friend of a friend is like, I'm going to go get groceries, I'll be right back, and just walks right up to the Americans and be like, they're over there, I want the reward. $30 million. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good for you. Yeah. I don't want these guys in my house.
3: (laughs) I mean, they leave their socks everywhere, they never do the dishes, and in exchange I get $30 million. Yeah.
2: These guys were pieces of shit. I can't really manage to mourn them. What with the, um, hey, let's torture our our athletes because they didn't do as well as I wanted them to. So we will literally torture them.
0: They not know the word morale?
2: No. Yeah. Of the two, Uday sounds like the actual psychopath and Kusei was just a very bad person Mm. and not a fan of the Iraq war. But these guys no longer breathing. I'm not exactly crying.
0: Well, in lighter news... Tour de France celebrates uh, the 100th anniversary of the first race, but what? It's only the 90th race run because you know, um, yeah, war. Yeah, <laughs> yep. you didn't see the bicyclist right in the back of *Inglorious Bastards*. A whole that house. Lance Armstrong won, but later all of his wins were disqualified because he only had one ball. That is not allowed. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> this headline <laughs> will repeat itself for Morton Lance Armstrong is no
3: Armstrong longer the winner of the Tour de France from 1999 to 2005. We wish that for those years, the Tour de France titles remain blank. The because <laughs> everyone else was doping too. Okay, like, <laughs> literally all of his competitors were like yeah, we were totally doping and that's why we turned Lance in because we were doping next to him while he was doping as where we're doing our doping party.
0: We doped a lot. So why should he get it? He thought he could dope safely because he was doping around other dopers, but the dopes turned him in and he felt like a dope. (laughs) It's true. It's true. I wish I could muster the energy to care about people doping to win sporting events, but I just can't. It was
3: one of those things where I'm of mixed minds to it. mm -hmm. It's clearly against the rules, but if literally every one of your competitors
0: is doing it, Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is this is where i plug they need to make more of these i forget who it was but they both have andy samberg the fake documentaries on hbo seven days in hell and the follow-up tour to pharmacy oh,
2: tour to pharmacy is so
0: good you want to see john cena suplex a completely naked man in slow motion it's fucking amazing you must see this thing.
2: <laughs> just the idea that the last year he was a normal looking athlete and this year he's john cena and he's like no of course i haven't done steroids <laughs>
0: They're two of the funniest things I've ever seen, and I hear no one talk about them, and I would love a follow-up. Great fictional sports documentaries. And then this is for me and my tech side. Apple's iTunes debuted this year, right? Like mm-hmm. back in April, I believe. Yep. I don't remember this being a thing necessarily, but I remember the advertising. You remember the advertising for iTunes in the beginning? Just people dancing around, listening to music, or the popular song you may have never heard, or something like by Jet that annoyed you? Mm-hmm. BuyMusic.com starts selling downloads on its website this week with a campaign aping that, parodying that.
3: I said a hip hop, hippie to the hippie, the hip hop, a hop. You don't stop a rocket to the bang, bang boogie. Say we jump up the hooky. To the rhythm
0: of the boogie, the beat. Get a little bit bop, we rock and Scooby-Doo. And guess what? America, we love you. And it, instead of playing the music, you have normal people of different sizes, shapes, and ages singing a song because it's marketing campaign was music for the rest of us. And I was aware of a slight Mac uses our elitist, but that was like the rest of us. I thought as a PC gamer, I was the elitist at the time. <laughs> I had a real expensive PC, more expensive than a Mac paying it off over the course of three years. Thank you gateway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Evidently in the atmosphere was like only rich Mac elitists are able to use iTunes. Cause I don't think, uh, I didn't have an, I, I didn't have an, uh, iPod but yeah I didn't I didn't realize that it kind of cut itself off it hadn't released a PC client yet so mm-hmm. it had to be kind of in the Mac ecosystem to get iTunes because were any of us there day one um I, I just yeah I was like no I'm I'm still stealing my music <laughs> thank you very much yep. burning them on the CD throwing them in my car not mm-hmm. paying for a $600 device to pay for pay more expensive prices
2: yep no I'm but, yep. always I'm always a late adopter I bought the original iPod right after the second generation came out. So I had the click wheel when everyone else had moved oh. away from click wheel but that's why I got it for really cheap.
0: Oh uh, the click wheel is very satisfying. Yeah. Uh, miss it. Uh even though I don't even know that I really I don't have I didn't have one. iPhone is my first iPhone is my first Mac product. Wow. I mean that's I think it's the case for a lot of people, but man, mm-hmm. so many movies to talk about this week. Uh 30, twenty first <laughs> through the twenty-seventh of July. Interstellar, five 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 five. I can't. That can't be how you pronounce it. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. It's just awkward all the way through. <laughs> yeah,
2: I thought yeah. maybe this is one you knew about.
0: No, no. What is What's it? What's What's it about? This is my favorite
3: animated film about a French musical duo who's singing in English while disc- dressed as robots. Oh, cool.
2: Yeah. I'll take it exactly. It it is a movie that is just a Daft Punk album but it tells a story. It's an anime
0: movie. Yeah, I've seen this. Yes.
2: um, About an alien band that is abducted and brought to earth and made to play and their minds are wiped. And it turns out it's all part of this plan for this guy to assemble as many gold records as he can, because that will power this super device. I mean, he could just like make or steal gold or no, (laughs) he has to earn the gold (laughs) records by kidnapping musicians from outer space.
3: Oh. But yeah, if you like Daft Punk and you like experimental animation, this is literally the film made for you. Sweet. I Death can't Punk recommend Runner. it to anyone outside that wheelhouse.
0: Though. <laughs> well, well, speaking of... Uh, I
2: mean, I like Daft Punk enough, but I hate anime and I managed to sit through this. I was like, well, yeah, it was all right. I mean, my big complaint is that one more time. That's a lie. It's 87 more times.
1: God, that song <laughs> won't end.
2: But like overall, it was fun. It has no dialogue. It's just, it's a straight... You know, musical I, I wish more concept albums did this. I wish that there were people, you know, drop a couple mail and, mm-hmm. and make a film of your album. And don't to, let it be Sgt. Pepper's Only Hearts Called Band with the Bee Gees.
3: To plug our bonus time episode, I guarantee you as AI gets cheaper and cheaper, more and more bands are gonna do this. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Okay. Well, in similar
0: fields of your miles may vary if you do not like the musician involved. Uh, oh, I didn't get around to re-watching this, but uh, I remember watching part of it and talking to my dad, and even he was struggling as a Mad Dylan fan. Luke Wilson, Jessica Lange, Jeff Bridges, John Goodman, and Bob Dylan, and Anonymous.
2: Oh, boy. Well, wow. I had always heard of this as a legendary failure um, because it is, what, written and starring bob dylan um where he plays a musician named jack fate in the enigmatic
0: bob dylan yeah lights up a room
2: <laughs> um co-written and directed by larry charles who at that point was just you know oh, yeah. seinfeld guy mm-hmm. you know pre-borat stuff like that and it takes place in like during a civil war or some sort of there's been a military coup in country wherever we are and then they're gonna like have a big benefit concert but who's gonna benefit is <laughs> up for debate and there's just a bunch of very strange characters wandering around I mean on top of the headliners we also have Penelope Cruz Val Kilmer Mickey Rourke uh, Angela Bassett Bruce Dern Cheech Marin shows up Ed Harris shows up. in a very memorable scene Ed Harris shows up and it, like pretty much everybody hated it because they're like well this just seems like jerk off nonsense like you know Dylan just wanders over to some person and then they say something that sounds like it might be meaningful and Mm. then just sort of wanders away. (laughs) And but I think everyone missed the boat on this in a weird way Mm. because Mm. it's a comedy Mm. and I don't think anyone noticed.
0: Yeah, I think think (laughs) it's not Dylan's fault, but he tends to imply some kind of gravitas and that he's writing and starring in a movie. You just assume we better shut up and listen. This is going to be important. One for our ages. And yeah, it's a, it's like a, I don't know, kind of a cartoon or a sketch comedy.
2: Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, because each one of these characters shows up, I mean, most of them show up for like a scene, say something strange, but possibly profound, and then kind of wanders off. And it's yeah. like, because there's this like coup and civil war going on, like you feel like it's trying to say something. But I think it's just an absurdist comedy. And the fact that Dylan's not really reacting to anything is sort of the joke, <laughs> but it—it's crazy. Sounds
3: hilarious. Yeah, I, <laughs>
2: no, it, I feel like it is the exact kind of movie where it's like the first time you watch it, you're like, "What the crap was that?" And I then this. The, yes, and then the yeah. second time around, you're like, "Oh, Whoa, this all is the weird."
0: Is to nowhere.
2: Right now that I'm not mm-hmm. expecting it to go anywhere. Okay, like it reminded me of there was a brief period, mostly in the late 60s, where we had these star studded like head movies Mm -hmm. and they generally suck, but they are bizarre artifacts. I'm thinking like a Casino Royale 67 is probably the best one, but there's also Uh,
0: Skidoo, Skidoo.
2: absolutely Skidoo. Skidoo, Candy, Magic Christian. Where it's just like everyone shows up for like a scene and then something weird happens and it's supposed to mean something, you think, but actually it doesn't. It's just there to be weird. And that's kind of this movie. Mm. But like I was expecting it. I was expecting to just like be mad at it. And I am a Dylan fan, but <laughs> I was expecting to be outraged. Just like, why are you wasting all our time? And then I was like, this is w- so weird. I kind of like it. Mm. Like, OK, Jeff Bridges is like the most likable man in the universe. I have never wanted to punch Jeff Bridges harder. (laughs)
0: Even after RIPD?
2: Yes. Even after, I just felt bad for him in RIPD. This, he plays the world's most obnoxious music journalist who just keeps like getting in Dylan's face and being like, remember Jimi Hendrix? You remember the good times? He didn't sell out. And you're like, go fuck yourself. You know, Janis Joplin, she cared. You don't.
0: You are making this sound great. And (laughs) I wish I could have found this movie. (laughs) <laughs> it's
2: yeah it's uh it's, it's not easy, not that easy to find it is very strange uh it doesn't make any goddamn sense most of the time i think that's the point trigger warning though ed harris is the part that i had heard about ed harris shows up in blackface for one oh, moment Lovely. <laughs> and it's there is a point to it but it is shocking as fuck where he's just like do to do oh my god Me. and he's like hey i might be the ghost of a performer your dad really liked yeah, see, the good times were not good. Look at this shit. Mm. I'm in blackface.
0: Maybe it's proof that Ed Harris can do no wrong. I,
2: <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, masked and anonymous. It, it, it uh, yeah, the most your mileage may vary. I've ever seen, but it's like I can't just say, "Wow, that was fucking dumb," because there's nothing quite like it.
0: It sounds. It was. It was still fascinating, but I just never felt the need to look at it again. Did not see uh, Scott Glenn, Anna Paquin at Harris at Harris again, and mm-hmm. uh, Joaquin Phoenix and Buffalo Soldiers.
2: Yeah, I feel bad I didn't get to this too because the reviews are pretty good, and this movie got fucked by 9-11. It's, yeah, okay. it, it debuted at the Toronto Film Festival like September eighth, two thousand one, mm-hmm. and it's about like fuckabouts in the military in like a mash sort of sense, and people were not down with in that. the mood for that. No. I
3: do wonder. What is the final film that got fucked by
0: 9-11? Ooh, that's probably mm. something worth looking into. Because, man, it did it did wreck a lot of mediums for a while.
2: Yeah. So this, this one, yeah, just got shelved for a couple of years. So, yeah, Joaquin Phoenix is, like, constantly stealing everything from the military and selling it on the black market in Germany, like, right before the wall falls down. Mm. And, yeah, the reviews were, like, it's actually a lot of fun, but... Not easy to find. The title doesn't help me because that's not what a Buffalo Soldier is.
0: (laughs) No, not at all. Uh, And there's plenty of other things with that title, including historical things, albums, and ugh.
2: Yeah. So please put in comments or wherever. Let us know about Buffalo Soldiers because uh, it does sound like one I'm kind of curious to go back and watch. It sounds interesting.
0: And I'll recommend that having not seen it over the movie I did see because I still hate it so much. (laughs) Gary <laughs> Stevens, William H. Macy, Elizabeth Banks, Chris Cooper, Jeff Bridges again. Man, this little never mind. We'll talk about it later. Toby McGuire, the ultra-forgettable sea biscuits.
2: Everybody loses a couple, and you either pack up and you go home or you keep fighting. <laughs>
0: Critics are calling Seabiscuit
1: the best film of the year. A beautiful tale of courage and triumph against all odds. Seabiscuit is magnificent, inspiring, and glorious. Newsweek says nothing can stop this story from putting a lump in your throat.
0: (laughs) Can't listen anymore. Shit. I fucking hated this movie. Ugh, Seabiscuit. Oscar bait all the way. Yep.
2: Yep.
3: So I never watched this movie until this week, and the only thing that was going through my head was BoJack Horseman, because <laughs> this is brought up a lot in BoJack Horseman, including his near-death dream when he's like, you're my father, but also you're somehow Seabiscuit for some reason. And I guess this is the only time I can ask that this question. In the BoJack Horseman universe, is Sea Biscuit? Just like a runner or does like someone actually get on his back? Like is there a human on Seabiscuit's back in the Bojack Horseman universe? do not f- Or is he I just like, like a long distance runner? I
2: think he's just a runner. Okay. Yeah. I think he's like a like a prefontaine kind of. They're making a movie about that, but it's Seabiscuit.
0: Okay. Right.
2: Yeah. So yeah. Or
0: Malaya costume nonsense.
2: Yeah. It's it is a very throwbacky movie. It's uh, Gary Ross, who last time we talked about him was when he wrote Dave, mm-hmm. and he's very good at this. He's very good at making something inspiring that's not too treacly. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it, it feels like a like a big budget modern Frank Capra movie again. You know, it's hundred percent. It's the thirties. It's the depression. People need something to believe in. Let's believe in a horse. And a guy, and he's he's half blind, and that makes it hard to ride the horse. And it's a horse.
0: Find another guy.
2: <laughs> but they believe in him so much. Uh,
0: I don't Sports. Shit like this. Just. Yeah.
2: Oh. No, it's, it's my problem is, like, I, I got nothing against it. It's fine. Mm. I, I, it's so fine that I feel like I can't even recommend it. It's just fine. It's, yeah. it's, it's this kind of thing done very well. Seven if you
0: Oscar like... nominations. Oh, my God. Yeah,
2: I got shut out. <laughs> Because <laughs> Return of the King's gonna fuck up everybody's year,
0: and the next year, I, I, that's when I, like I start my film studies, and like this, like begrudgingly, has to be used as so many examples of things in film, from shots to yeah, probably that black guy probably wouldn't have been in the room, <laughs> that kind of stuff, and I just hated seeing it, and I hated hearing about it for like the next couple months, and I think like my dad, you like movies, and so for my birthday, he bought me the novelization. I'm like, I hate. Man, oh, fine. I'll take this back.
2: Yeah, you like movies. You want to not watch one. You want to read it <laughs>
0: yes. instead. Read a movie. There's it's. There's no way to watch movies now on demand. It's 2003,
2: yeah. son. Yeah. No. See, this is the kind of movie. Where it's, you know, it's the best movie of
0: 1958.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and and that's fine. Yeah, that's fine.
0: Yeah. Just I just looked at it on the like. when I looked at the sheet a couple of days ago. It just instantly popped in Oscars so white because it's always stuff like this getting celebrated black. Yeah. Black. And also, like, well, if we can move on, like, uh, man, every one of these movies seems to be have a competing star in it. <laughs> but the last two movies, probably the most bankable, are uh, meant to appeal to the same video game crowd, which, yeah, man, I that know. was cool. Maybe what? you guys should spread this out a little bit.
2: Yeah, why are you, why are you doing spy action movies up against each other like this? Mm-hmm. I don't get
0: it. Uh, Noah Taylor, Til Spieger, Syrian Hands great name uh Gerard Butler. Don't
2: always get his name on kieran hines
0: kieran, kieran hines uh angelina jolie laura croft tomb raider the cradle of life if you think you know tomb raider think again are you truly prepared for what you're about to learn joel siegel calls it the rare summer sequel that's more fun than the first hello boys roger Ebert gives it thumbs up it's nothing short of incredible People magazine says Angelina Jolie is even sexier than in the first. And USA Today says Tomb Raider has one of the most jaw-dropping stunts this summer. People actually fly. <laughs> <laughs> so Was the movie reviewer four? People flew in the movie.
2: Yeah. No, they do. They use There's a wing suit sequence. It's very impressive.
0: That's falling.
2: But, yeah, it's organized falling. <laughs> yeah. I, I was shocked that I could not find multiple ads for this, that this was the one I had to go with, with the, the critic one, because if it leads off with Joel Siegel says, I ain't listening because that guy was a hack.
0: Well, I think, I think the case of Angelina Jolie's Tomb Raider was, holy shit, we got Angelina Jolie to be in the biggest video game property. This is going to be the biggest movie ever, and it wasn't domestically. Globally, there was, oh, it's kind of light and a fire. So this movie has like 800,000 underwriters from across the globe. In order to get it to happen, which means a shitload of different people interfering because they've gave you given you several several million dollars, mm. and I just remember seeing this and being like, "This is how is this boring?" It was like one of those first cases of like, "There's a lot of stuff happening from the speed director, and it's all boring and kind of meaningless." Where's the Tomb Raider? Where's the tomb? Uh, mm-hmm.
3: The bombing of this film is why Laura Croft went into. A dormant state for mm. almost a decade. I mean, we we just talked about her previous video game bombing as well, and yeah, I mean, putting Angelina Jolie in a Tomb Raider outfit, incredibly awesome idea. Making these two Tomb Raider movies, incredibly bad idea. Mm. <laughs> they, uh... They did not work. They are not engaging. They don't have good characters. They don't have a plot that makes you engaged. They somehow make punching a shark
0: in the face boring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just the, the I saw it opening night and the the audience reaction was nil nil. Like everyone here is here to see a Laura Croft movie and no one seems to be excited.
3: Well, it was a bold choice on Angelina's part to play Laura
0: Croft as if she was an emotionless robot. <laughs> hmm. I mean, Laura Croft's a video game character, so kind of can just quip. Those cutscenes should not be your storyboard, because they're pretty much fancy origami. And But it's it's also the nature of uh, video game adaptations. Where we were then, it took Hollywood so long to process them through the mill that a lot of their, their momentum had died by the time they made it to the screen. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's happening now. We got an Uncharted movie when the series is effectively over, and it mm-hmm. didn't yeah. capitalize when it was most exciting.
2: It's tough, because... I think this one's an improvement over the last one, which yeah. has a lot of really dumb shit going on in it. And and it, it was before Daniel Craig figured out how to do an American accent. Oh, my God. His accent is so fucking bad. It is so distracting. This one is better in that it's more of just like a, you know, it's an adventure movie. Okay, mm-hmm. That's cool. We've got a MacGuffin. we got to take MacGuffin to MacGuffin Island, and that's where the MacGuffins live. And then something, something, magic thing. We have to stop a bad guy from getting to it. Okay. Fine. That's fine.
0: That is Laura Croft, so it's yeah. not even like you can say this deviated from the source material. Laura's not always in tombs and hadn't been for a while.
2: Yep. And just, yeah, I felt like there was a little left faffing around with backstory, which felt unnecessary in the first movie. It's like, let's just get to it. Just get yeah, out I of there. Just I, go go raid tombs.
0: I think when I when I was hungry the most for a Laura Croft film adaptation, I wanted Indiana Jones, Lady yeah. Indiana Jones, not Lady James Bond. Mm. And yeah, you sort of get like a, a paltry Bond movie, but globe trots. Boy, does it globe trot. Yeah. Um, shot on location, all that stuff, which. Not a lot of action movies were doing that nowadays, all over the world. But yeah, uh, left a bad taste in people's mouth, critics' mouth, and grow significantly less than the first one. And man, yeah, the series has never really found a way to get off the ground. And I I, I just have a lot of love for Lara Croft, and it sucks to see. Sucks to see. Love my Tomb Raider. And now it's in, in a weird position 20 years later. I forget even who owns it now, now that Square sold it off. I think there's maybe a series going on somewhere at Amazon, maybe. Ugh. But, I mean, critically and commercially, the better video game movie isn't based on a video game. It's just set in one. Ricardo Matalban, Sylvester Stallone, Carla Gugino, Antonio Banderas, uh, Daryl Sabara, and Alexa Vega say goodbye to the Spy Kids for now. Spy Kids 3D, game over. When one of America's top spies is missing.
3: Junie, we need you to find your sister.
1: Her
0: only hope is the one agent who is always on her case.
1: Carmen
2: Carmen
0: Carmen terrific but when the
2: mission is this
0: tough, you need to call in backup Man, you can walk on July 25th oh I can do more than that their final adventure will reach out and grab you spot kids 3d Junie who is
2: this
0: She's my, my my friend I'm his girlfriend woots by kids 3d oh what a weird experience we've had with this trilogy on thirty twenty ten. 2010
2: yeah I, well I've liked it so
0: far yeah, there's there's plenty to like. They're they're scrappy little what you call them, Made in Austin for fun, a director notorious for R-rated action making something for his kids. You yeah. just see people having a lot of fun in these films. Yeah, and, and just
2: doing it one a year, just boom boom boom. And unfortunately I feel like each one is a little less good than the last. And this one eh, is you know, depending on your age it's fun. I'm not ever a fan of 3D. Yeah. I just know, especially when it's gimmicky 3D and they, they try to have fun with it. But yeah, it's like, oh, no, now they're in a video game. and like, well, is this like a Matrix avatar kind of thing where your body is somewhere else? Or it seems to be, no, you're actually in a video game that doesn't, I don't, how does that I, I don't know if I don't it's
0: care. meant to look visually dated or if it was meant to look like, it's not unlike video games of the time with human beings standing in them but it has kind of like a nick arcade 2000 (laughs) ricardo though, hats off he always tasked me with fun Mm -hmm. spy kids 3d we're never going to be a good authority on this but there's something about him that like this is still better than what disney was making for kids live action wise in that time this is better than inspector gadget there i said it yeah Um, yeah yeah. no
2: i i overall you know i was just i don't care because i'm in my mid-20s at this point mm-hmm. so yeah these aren't for me i don't have you know nieces or nephews yet to need to take them yeah. to and i watch them for the show and i was like yeah they're fine was, mm-hmm. and, and they get weird in first especially the first one but there was a lot in the second one too where it was just like are we sure this is for kids this is some trippy ass shit going on really okay cool and this one felt a little more like it's just a kids movie now
0: oh, not quite oh.
2: as trippy and weird
0: I'm going to move on to something I I, 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 I hate watched, but not because I wanted to hate it. It's because it sucked. Television <laughs> 2003, 21st of July through 27th, the debut of Nip Tuck.
1: Oh, And good. we're sort of
0: talking about the, the dawn of FX, sort of like, all right, we're going to curse more than most cap- basic cable television shows, but we're going to try and go prestige HBO style, whereas Nip Tuck was like elegant tabloid trash for the most part and it was a really odd companion piece to the shield so we were doing group watches of the shield and we they'd show nip tuck afterwards eventually and i just okay i'll get caught up on the dvds and like whoa i do i do not like this show (laughs) i do not like this show uh it was fx
3: really trying to push the boundaries at the time so i have never worked in a plastic surgery center i'm shocked
0: i would have bet on it given everything else he's claimed to have done (laughs) (laughs)
3: <laughs> but I was operations manager of a Botox center, which did
1: <laughs> wow.
3: everything but plastic surgery. Mm-hmm. And the person I worked for, whose name shall remain nameless, lost her medical license due to sleazy medical practices Mm. and i saw some shit there it is just like this creepy vibe because you have all these people who are working in a profession obsessed with making people look good by whatever means they can Mm -hmm. and from what i've seen nip tuck really captures that spirit just like
0: yeah there's an intentional sleaze to nip tuck that comes from the very beginning it's set in miami the most in the most superficial profession in the most superficial city but then just gets so caught up in murder and serial killers and just absolute silliness i'm looking at an overview and i don't remember the first episode of the alligators eating people which is cool
2: that Uh, that is pretty cool well i think now (laughs) is as good a time as any to talk about the rise of ryan murphy It's not his first show. It's his second show. But this is the first one that hits. It's like popular, I guess, you know, some people watch it, but it's on the WB. So people don't know what it is. And then Nip Tuck goes on for years and is quite popular. And people are like, whoa, that's so edgy. What else you got? And he's like, I've got teens who can sing. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we got Glee, and American horror story, Scream Queens, American crime story. Ryan Murphy won't stop.
0: Yeah, he begins a relationship with Fox, who become like almost partners... Forever. Like, holy shit. Does he make a lot of stuff for Fox and FX's Fox? Yep. All Disney now. But yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Like the, the guy is a one man industry. It It's mm-hmm. ridiculous. And he's made some stuff that's like my favorite things ever. And some stuff I'm like, what the hell? What? <sighs> what are you doing? Why? Stop it. No.
0: And it's uh, it's it's fascinating to remember a time when everybody was talking about Julian McMahon, the Christian Troy character in this. Ah. Like, he should be in everything, and he w- went on to be Doctor Doom. And I don't know that I've seen him since. But uh, this show show this show shone real bright uh for a while and i've just never heard anybody be nostalgic for it love to hear from someone who is because in the world i lived in i had to watch this a lot despite man this is so silly it's just not a good companion piece of the shield is what i'm saying because that was like Mm. all about like just eye gouging realism And, (laughs) and this is the opposite in terms of story and presentation a show i think is one of the most underrated comedy shows of the last 20 years. Here, here.
3: Oh, here, here. This is pure comedy adrenaline. You need yeah. 50 cc's of laughter. Inject this
0: in your veins. And, it, and I say that it being fortunate enough, like, it's it's been hard to say, like, I miss it because it just keeps coming back. It keeps finding ways to come back because the people who do it love doing it and it's cheap and it's like a wonderful playground for comedic improvisers. To come in, we'll give you some outlines and just go nuts and and I so many people are famous now I saw for the first time on this show reno 911 debuts on comedy Central this
1: Woo! week
0: and man i I absolutely love the show because I, I remember the first episode because it I still say it whatever Trudy said might have been a little racist and dangles like that's wildly inappropriate moving on move on to the next scene which is just a sketch comedy based in the world of cops in the format of cops
2: yeah, just what if cops were an improv comedy or semi-improv? Yeah. Sometimes it's improv, sometimes it's not. And it's just like a, a cast full of ringers, mm-hmm. like uh, Niecy Natch or uh, Carlos Alazraki or Wendy Mac- McLennan Covey,
0: Cedric Yarbrough, uh, Thomas it's,
2: Lennon, it's, Ke- mm-hmm. Kerry Kenny Silver, Robert Ben Grant. Like, yeah, these are people
3: it, you the see them guy. all
2: over the place. They're just popping up mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, I know them.
3: It's an evergreen thing. There's never going to be a time when it's not funny, when it's not going to be something that you can make jokes about. And they just get everything so right. They uh, got complaints from people saying, I don't appreciate the Reno 911 police officers allowing them to be filmed and (laughs) looking so bad on this show, which just cracks me up
2: oh yeah i've i've seen clips passed around as like this is the funniest traffic stop ever especially the one where uh wendy kevin uh, McLennan covey like makes a guy walk a straight line and then he's got to yep. do you know yep. yeah
0: heel toe heel, heel toe. toe
2: pk turns <laughs>
0: <laughs> i love yep. pat and oswalt being pinned against a tree sign style complaining about movies because if they move the truck he'll die <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, Jim Rash I think wasn't he like he was always like the pervert, like refusing to pay prostitutes and screaming at the top of his lungs <laughs> <laughs> first time I saw the dean from community oh, I think that's well, well,
2: yeah he'll come up again later and um oh shoot what's his name why am I blanking on his name that's been in so many movies that I hated but I thought he was so funny on Reno 911 that describes a lot of people on the show yeah, actually sure. yeah. oh sure. shoot yeah, who would have this one, his one-person gay pride parades and then later claimed to be murdered, even though he was just sitting right there.
0: <laughs> <Shoot>. Anyway, <laughs> this it doesn't Carrie? matter. Nick, Nick Swanson's yeah.
2: character? Nick Swanson's character, yes. That's yeah. who I was thinking of. Yeah, the one-man <laughs> pride parade of just him with the little red wagon and a kazoo.
0: Always <laughs> on roller skates.
3: <laughs> Take your brain out of your skull, throw it in the trash, sit back, and get ready to laugh. Uh,
0: yeah, and, and, and yeah. I keep saying, for anybody who cares... Paramount Plus could take or leave it, but they had the Reno 911 QAnon movie set on a cruise ship, and it's fucking hilarious. It like it's one of the funniest things minute to minute that I'd, I'd seen that year. I don't know. I don't hear a lot of people talking about it anymore, but they helped launch Quibi. They're somewhere mm. on the Roku channel. It's on Comedy Central. It's find found a way to stick around. I think purely through like it's inexpensive and everybody likes doing it. Yeah. Because I. That, it's what...
3: actually been used in real police training. No. Yes. I, <laughs> no. Actually, this is personal experience, Chris. Oh. I, uh, yeah. I applied to be a cop back of in course. 2011. <laughs> okay. So it was the height of the Great Recession. And as my stories kind of hint at, I'm a bit of an adrenaline junkie. So I was like, hey, that might be a good thing I'll try out to do. So I applied. I got pretty far in the process. And at one point, a bunch of us were in the group together and they show the following clip as an example about what not to do <laughs> wow. as a police officer. It's my,
0: my dog, the vet says he's got cancer and he doesn't have long to live in. Well, sure, why don't you just call animal control? Well, I, I did, but I can't afford the fee that it would cost to put him down. And then I just can't afford it. <laughs> All
1: right.
0: Okay. All
1: right. All right. All right. I'll tell you what I'm going to do for you. I'm gonna I'm gonna put them down for you, sir. <laughs> Thank okay. You. Hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. How you doing? How I... you Thank you. Yeah.
3: Yeah, you're welcome. <coughs>
1: hey, you get off of my property. Hey, oh, I'm not on your property.
3: Ho, oh, calm down, man. What? Hell? What? I want you to keep him out of my that freaking yard! Oh, you kill my dog! Oh you kill my dog! No, my
1: no, dog. I don't know, ma'am,
3: I don't know. Why? I'm gonna get this him. <laughs> oh, and this was an example that just because people tell you stuff doesn't mean it's true, mm. and
0: you can't just accept what they say as as the truth. Oh, I love this show. Uh Man, I might have to go watch this right after this. But that's about it for television. Moving on to games of uh, 2003, the ultra-weird GameCube-exclusive Aquaman Battle for Atlantis. Diana, the only thing you'll find fascinating about this is this, is this, let me look it up real fast. I don't know of any other games published by TDK, maker of find blank cassette (laughs) and i and 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 i really wanted to like this game because i think it was like right around the time dc switched aquaman from slick back hair clean shaven (laughs) underoos wearing aquaman to like beardo badass uh aquaman and he gets his and and aquaman could have a good game a great game to be had, and being a superhero, superhero underwater—actually, that's probably not true because being <laughs> underwater in games always sucks. It's why there's not many games where you can fly, having control of that many axes, well and then slowing it down for water. Oh, but yes, this was like one of the worst reviewed games of the entire year. Mm. Aquaman: Battle for Atlantis, and but also bringing. Are in there any games. good underwater games? You sung some praises for Echo the Dolphin. Yeah, yeah, I there, like there, that. There are games like Endless Ocean and things that are like non-action oriented and chill. Yeah, that's that's
3: like a scuba
0: simulator more than right. a game. There, well, it's still gamified. And also this year, Dave the Diver has broken out as maybe one of the, the most popular games of the year. But okay, it, it is a new game every five. It, it is astounding because it's mostly set underwater and it's a new game every five seconds, and also of Diana's interest. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. This was a really weird period where they were optioning a ton of old movies to make games out of. But even working in the industry, like people who play games don't have any knowledge of these movies, such as The Great Escape for PC, PS2, and Xbox. What? Yeah. Yes, he's in the game, Diana. (laughs) Just kidding. Steve McQueen has been dead for decades.
3: (laughs) (laughs) And the acting is as good as the movie, as shown in this clip.
1: Oh no. Excuse me, I'm looking for the big axe. Well, you found him. I'm George Alexander, the big X here in Dulag Luft 10. I bet you're eager oh. to escape. Yes, I am. What do we need to do?
0: First, we need to get you a pass. Jimmy here will help you. Thanks very much. <laughs> <laughs> of course. You just like an AI wrote the dialogue. I need this, then you shall get it. Thank you. <laughs> I'm
2: just looking at think like, wait, how many cast members were still alive? I like, guess there's a couple. Garner, yeah. Attenborough were still alive. Okay. Awesome. Uh, uh, no, I think. Oh, been. no, no, uh, Bronson's son is deathbed.
0: Oh, <laughs> he wow. dies, oh. he
2: dies in August 2003. And th- oh. What is this about
0: this weekend? Weird licenses Robocop for Xbox. What I love Robocop,
3: I don't know what this is. Uh, well, it was brought to us by the same people who gave us Superman 64.
2: No, even oh. I know that's terrible. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So it, the its totally
0: average score goals. is three out of ten. Yikes. Yikes. That's what happens when you don't reach out to Peter Weller. I think he's in the new Robocop game, which I'm lying to myself and telling saying is going to be great. Can't wait. That about closes out 2003. We got one more segment in the barrel, so stick around. But we're going to close out with uh, I Hate Everything About You by Three Days Grace. It's the Ugly Kid Joe cover. What is it?
2: No. Uh, I, I mean, it's still, they're, they're a Christian leaning rock band, and yet um, they have. A distinctly new metal, two thousand three sound.
0: Yeah. An angry, angry, very angry very young angry. man song title. Very angry. Uh, so let me hear this for the first time as we close out. But don't go anywhere. We got to talk about Hugh Jackman as Wolverine.
1: I hate everything
2: This is internet and all the ships at sea. It's time for Diana's Classic Corner. We go even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching. And for the week of July 21st through 27th, here's a weird thing. I didn't find anything. I found one historical tidbit, but I still have a recommendation, and I'm going to get to it in a second. So the first historical tidbit is that 75 years ago this week, President Truman ordered the U.S. Army to be desegregated. And that was a big thing, because you think about where this country was in 1948 like half the states blacks and whites can't marry Jim Crow very much in effect segregation absolutely everywhere including the north stop pretending it wasn't so I was trying to find like is there a good movie about like the black experience in the segregated army and uh, there's one and I admit I haven't seen it I haven't seen Miracle at St. Anna uh, the Spike Lee film the reviews are sort of but I, I feel like I have to recommend it on top of another Spike Lee movie, to 5 Bloods, which is about Vietnam, but is a really good movie about black soldiers and their experience. Fucking Delroy Lindo got robbed at Oscar time. What were you going to say,
0: Chris? Uh, a soldier story? I, remember I...
2: Yeah, I, I was thinking about that too. A soldier story. I guess, yeah, segregation is still an issue there, but... Not as much as what I was looking for, but Soldier Story is a really good movie. Hmm. I, ha- I definitely have to recommend that. That's sort of been forgotten by time, but early Denzel Washington, David Allen Greer, Adolf Caesar, guy with a rad name, really good bad guy. <laughs> he was the, the dad in Color Purple, and he's like, my God, wow, how did you play such a good bad guy? You're just a little dude. Anyway, so since I couldn't find a single movie that I wanted to recommend, I went through 500 plus things I've already recommended for (laughs) for Classic Corner used a random number generator to pick one for me and it nailed it. I should have played the lotto instead because it hit a movie that is one of my favorite movies of all time. I recommend to absolutely everyone and it is anchored by a song score by a guy who shares my birthday because this is my birthday week. So celebrating both my birthday and Cat Stevens's slash Yusuf Islam as he is known now Harold and Maude from 1971, huge recommend. One of my top 10 movies of all time. It's hard to explain why besides like, okay, it's a black comedy uh, directed by Hal Ashby, written by Colin Higgins, who also did 9 to 5 and Foul Play and died way too young because those are all really fun. <laughs> it's funny because it's about a very privileged kid and you kind of want to go like, dude, what are you complaining about? Your life is fine. But he is extraordinarily depressed, played by Bud Cort. And he, like, all he really wants to be is be dead. So he keeps staging these really elaborate suicides, fake suicides in front of just just to piss off his mom. And then finally, he meets up with a 79 year old woman and learns about the meaning of life because she's 79. She's been through the worst thing that anyone could go through, which we learn in a very, very quick, calm little shot of, oh, shit, she's a Holocaust survivor. And she's been through the worst thing there is. And she fucking loves life. What is Harold missing? She's going to teach him. It's funny as hell. Very, obviously, very dark. It does contain the single movie car I would want more than anything in the world. You can keep the Ecto 1. I want the Jaguar with a hearse attached to the back of it. Damn, that car is fine. I can't even tell you how much money I would pay for a recreation of that. So, yep, it's my birthday week, and I am recommending Harold and Maude, 1971. Happy birthday, Yusuf Islam. Yay, cancer, Leo cusp, people. And that's it for this week. Stay classic.
0: Comment into 2013 with We Can't Stop by Miley Cyrus. It is on the charts this week. And almost (laughs) every music device, every woman I've ever dated with kids ever since. Uh, Miley Cyrus, still big with the kids. Hell yeah. Um, yeah, welcome to 10 years ago. Uh, we got new releases from July 21st to the 27th uh, include, in music, including uh, the keynote speaker by You God, Fragile Figures by Secrets, 3.0 by Mark Anthony, Pure Vida Conspiracy by uh, Google Bordello, Slow Focus by Fuck Buttons. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's a great name. Self-titled by Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros, Blurred Lines by Robin Thicke featuring T.I. for also number one. I think we'll be the whole summer. Ooh.
2: Yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I keep having to find music. Nothing's changing on the charts.
0: And, and and then a little bit of news. This is going to be a tough one to pronounce. First, Preswalski's horse? What?
2: I think about so, that.
0: So this
3: is an extinct wild horse. Okay, wild horses are different from domesticated horses by, like, a lot. Okay? And we managed to bring them back via artificial insemination. So what I'm saying is, come on, woolly
2: mammoths.
0: Bring them back. Bring yeah. them back. I'm starving.
2: Yep. Now, they were, they've were they been extinct in the wild. There were, like, a couple little pockets of them in, like, reserves. I love it in Ukraine. I think they just let their them loose near, like, the, uh, Chernobyl, because it's all natural now. No one's going to fuck with them. No one wants to go there. So let's let the wild animals loose there. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great idea. Just turn it into a nature reserve.
3: Or the start of a horror film.
2: Ooh, zombie horses? Yeah, Zorses? zombie horses. Horses. some horses Ooh,
0: sequel to sorry to bother you Ooh. i love it uh yeah movies let's get into movies of 2013 none of them have horses as far as i can tell uh yeah. a huge documentary recommend 20 feet from stardom with Darlene love mary clayton judith hill uh lisa fisher and a bunch of other people you might not attribute to some of the your most favorite or most famous classic songs of all time oh, uh i it. i remember telling the guys about it on a podcast and i was talking about the woman in rolling stone's gimme shelter a song because i like scorsese movies i've heard 100 times that woman does the chorus and i didn't know she's yelling rape murder over and over again (laughs) so when she yeah her voice is cracking from screaming she I, i don't remember they had pictures but i feel like i can visualize it they're dragging her out of bed at four in the morning she's a mother and she's in curlers in like her nightgown screaming rape and murder in one of the most famous rolling stone songs of all time and people should know her fucking name including myself mary
2: clayton that's mary, mary clayton. clayton that that is my favorite part of the thing yeah where they she tells that story of them mm-hmm. dragging her out of bed and then they play just her just her vocals completely isolated
0: mm-hmm.
2: holy shit goosebumps
0: yeah cuz they're like, like oh my scream God. Louder, and she yeah. does. And she's and like,
2: "Oh, you so want beautiful. it? Oh, I'll give it to you." Oh, and, she. And it, it's the goes. best part of that
0: song, you can't wait for to stop hearing Mick Jagger, <laughs> <laughs> who but. I believe is fifty this week. If he's not the birthday quiz, <laughs> or he's fifty in nineteen
2: ninety three. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah.
0: He's not the quiz, is he?
3: Jr. He is not the birthday quiz, although I did consider him. I was like, I could hint
0: that you have moves like him. I really (laughs) try to not look at that when I do research. Don't look at who's born.
2: Yeah, it's such an interesting topic for a documentary because it's one of those things like you don't really think about. And they go into like the evolution of background singing and like how some of these folks, so many of them had solo albums, some of them did pretty well. Like Lisa Fisher did well in the late 80s, and then their solo careers just didn't take off, but they're incredibly mm-hmm. talented singers. And but it's also like it's a skill and how people were losing that because styles of music change and we don't have a lot of songs with backup singers anymore.
0: Yeah, you or try people, and overlap voices and yeah, or people and your... just
2: do it themselves, you know. You, mm-hmm. you with digital recording, you can just record yourself 14 times singing mm-hmm. all the harmonies if you want. And yeah, getting into Darlene Love, who's always just one of my favorite people, mm-hmm. <laughs> and really getting into how screwed she was by Phil Spector of just mm. kept recording her and then releasing it under different names and, and not giving mm. her credit or money. <laughs> oh, mm. man. Mm. Yeah. I So this, this wins the uh, Oscar for Best Documentary uh, this year, and Darlene Love Very comes perfect. up uh, and starts singing. I think his eye is on the sparrow, and everybody like goes crazy at the Oscars. Bill Murray loses his shit, which is fun because he never does. And then a week later, uh, I saw her in concert. It was a concert slash Q and A, and I sort of kind of dragged Michael to it. Like, no, seriously, Darlene loves really cool. You're gonna like this. And he's like, I, I don't know what this is. Okay, and we had such a good time. Yeah, it was great. great. He loaded up a bunch of stuff on his iPod after that because uh, I mean, come on. Uh- Christmas, baby, please come home. It's like the best Christmas song.
0: You, you got to love any doc that shows you the unsung hero behind your favorite stuff. And this is it was shocking to me 10 years ago that just how little I knew about these people who you've heard 100 million times. <laughs>
2: Lou, they run through the songs that, yeah, <laughs> that you sung through. And it's like, oh, yeah, no, that sure. That's not Monster Mash. Really? <laughs> like, yeah. Monster Mash, Sure. Whatever. This Elvis song. Yeah. You know whatever
0: it's a He's job 20 feet from stardom check it out also this week donald glover christopher mintz Plass, clark Gregg, uh connie Britton, scott porter bill Hader, uh rachel bilson johnny simmons aubrey plaza in the to-do list the
2: to-do i feel list. bad this was not on my to-do list anyone else
0: no i got it confused mm-hmm. with a, a easy a
2: <laughs> yeah
0: i thought i'd seen it uh just at a glance but i, I, I heard it was really that. good
2: yeah, no, it's, it's written and directed by uh, Bill Hader's then-wife, which helps mm-hmm. explain how you got all these people together. But I I do really like the idea that it's about a girl who finishes high school and realizes, like, I don't have a lot of sexual experience. I need to work on my skills. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to spend the mm-hmm. summer working on my slut skills so yeah. I know what I'm doing because there's, I didn't, there's a learning curve.
3: I didn't watch it, but it does bring to mind my question – what is the raunchy female sex comedy out there? You know, the female version of Porky's or Animal's
0: House. I don't know that that exists because just women don't love bursting into male locker rooms. <laughs> but but uh, the sweetest thing, there's there's a raunchy uh, lady sex comedy. Yeah, okay, uh, th- I'll give you that one. Qualify.
2: Yeah, I think so. I mean, so many of the negative reviews were just saying, it's just too dirty and filthy. And they're just talking uh, about the naughtiest things. Oh, it's disgusting. I'm like, well, no. that makes me want to buy a ticket when it upsets people like that. Yes. Like, well, either you're a prude, but I can judge for myself.
0: Clutch your pearl necklace all you want. I'm about to improve it.
2: Not that kind.
0: Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I don't want that isolated. That was AI that said that. Um, <laughs>
2: so, yeah, the to-do list. Put, put in the comments. Are we missing out? It sounds like we might be missing out
0: on this. A, a neat little movie. Uh, yeah. Rob Corddry, Amanda Peet, Liam James, Maya Rudolph, Sam Rockwell. Anna Sophia Robb, Alice and Tony Collette, and Steve Carell in The Way, Way Back. The follow up to the Oscar winners. Wait, is that the one I think of the right one? Yeah. Yeah. Jim Rash and Matt um, Faxon. Matt Faxon, after their uh, descendants win, they write, and I think they direct this. Mm-hmm. And it's like got wet, hot American summer vibes, but, you know, not surreal and cartoonish. It's just a small tale of a summer
2: going off for the summer, mm-hmm. you know, uh, just going down to shore. Uh, with the whole family and the uh, and dad, mom's boyfriend, who, who just man, Steve Carell can be very hateful when he wants mm-hmm. to be. Like I can, I, it's a very well realized character of someone who's like he can appear nice to everyone and also be a real piece of shit.
0: Yeah, I I I, I definitely like this when I saw it and more Jim Rash. He's getting a second notation in here with no community. I love it. Yep. Another great character from him.
2: Yeah, I feel bad I didn't get around to rewatching it. But yeah, I saw it 10 years ago and was like, yeah, it's a it's a coming of age comedy with some drama in it, you know, of not wanting to put up with your shitty family and and finding a new family cuz he like goes to work at this water park and he meets cool people there but also like you can't just you can't run away forever like you have to put up with your shitty family there's just mm-hmm. you got to find a way to make it better yeah yeah yeah, yeah. no the way way back i thought it was, it's breezy well...
0: little coming of age movie
2: yeah yeah it's well done it's the kind of thing's like is this based on a book it feels like it's based on a... no okay yeah.
0: yeah it just seems like like something odd to write out of the blue mm-hmm. but they had that oscar cloud so yeah uh the next movie Jesus, Diana! I can see you wrote these all phonetically.
2: I spaced them out so we wouldn't insult all of Japan.
0: <laughs> Just so you know, I took a lot of several Japanese courses, and it's like the one thing that's the easiest pronounced because there is no change in the pronunciation.
3: Starting sub ting wrong. Yeah. Holy oh, fuck. no oh, no. <laughs> uh, Todd
0: Cobell. <laughs> Uh, we got Brian T, Svetlana, uh, Kochenkova, uh, yeah. William Lee, Rila Fukushima, Tao Akamoda, No noyuchi, Hiroyuki Sonata, and you, yeah. Jack Jackman, the redemptive tale of the Wolverine, number one at the box office. A lot of people have tried to kill me, but I'm still here. Eternity is a curse. I can make you mortal
1: offering to kill me. Eternity? You don't know the meaning of the word. What kind of monster are you? The Wolverine. You have ten words. You do not the faintest idea of what's going How many words was that? Nine. Fifty-five
0: words. The Wolverine. I, I think a hell of a redemption tale for one of the worst movies I've ever seen. I, which I only mention... Because that movie was very bad, predominantly because of a writer strike. And Hugh Jackman as Wolverine and Deadpool again are caught in the middle of... Of filming during a writer strike. <laughs> it sucks. It sucks. <laughs> yeah. X-Men
2: Origins Wolverine Man after that. I really had the feeling of, are we doing this again? Really are we doing this again? And then like I saw who's in the credits. I'm like, oh well, Scott Frank is a great writer. James Mangold's directing. Originally it was gonna be Darren Aronofsky. Okay. Yeah, where did All right.
0: end up becoming this go-to guy? To like perform latter day action hero <laughs> movie stars, I, I think um, it
2: might be here.
0: <laughs> it is, it is here. But he, you know, he'd made other like what would you call them, like realistic throwbacks to uh, like like a uh, like three ten to Yuma, great mm, yeah. Western. Mm. But this is, I, I and I didn't get around to like seeing it in full until somewhat recently because. I hated Wolverine origin so much, and the MCU is kicking, and just I'm just going to ignore what you're doing with the X-Men. Why would you make more X-Men movies separated from Wolverine? When, when, when? Like eh, this is pretty cool.
3: <laughs> this is pretty
0: good. <laughs> I think setting it in Japan was a
3: master stroke. So the character of Wolverine in the comics has always had a place in Japan because early on, one of the writers said, this guy is not a berserker. He's a samurai. And that has completely worked for the character for the last
0: 40 years. And a Frank Miller edition, which he loves and added to other people in Daredevil a lot of Japanese flavoring to the hand and stuff like that.
3: And it works. I mean, this is your Japanese comic book movies, okay? Japan is not like this, people. I uh, <laughs> There are not, like, 57 ninjas for every one gaijin. Okay? That,
0: that, that... Everywhere I went when I went to Japan, I saw Rogue Archer on every <laughs>
3: <laughs> But if you can get into it in that mindset, this can completely work because it's the right amount of goofy it's the right amount of fun everything is pumped up to comic book levels and just accept that and go along for the ride and it's
0: fun the absolute only bummer i've watched logan like a hundred thousand times and it works really well with the r rating and so like watching wolverine's claws disappear out of frame and stuff happening off screen like god damn it i'm like wait there's a bloody violent version on DVD, you assholes. Like I can't get that (laughs) in time, but there is a version out there. I would like to see instead of the one on Disney plus.
3: So I did watch the uh, unrated version and yeah, it adds some stuff to it. Not enough. I mean, given Wolverine's power, it should basically be like the floor of a slaughter factory. (laughs) You know, there should be just like, should be like super gross and they don't go that far, but yeah, if you can, I do recommend the unrated
0: version. Mm. That's the only one I'll watch again, just because it was just that slight, like, what do you want to call it, cock tease of like, oh, it's the same guy directing Wolverine doing the same action. And it looks very PG mm. and yeah, would like to see more blood and guts. But yeah, a surprisingly elegant solo tale, like uh, for, for X-Men. Um, if they had
3: started the X-Men solo mm, tales with this film, yeah, I think we would have gotten
0: more I think we would have yeah. seen like Gambit solo tale. Then, this and all was the, the one you Jackman most wanted to adapt, but it's like we can't do it first.
3: Yeah you could. Yeah. There is
0: no reason you couldn't have done that. That's this what first. he said. He said we had to prioritize and, and if you remember they were they, they were telling an origin story the comics had not yet told and I, I think it also had to do with a little bit of wheel spin wheel spinning at Fox because like I'm never not mad about X Men the Last Stand, especially because mm-hmm. funky Jensen is in this movie so very much. And how they slaughter the entirety of the cinematic X Men because the studio's like, yeah, we're not making another one. Uh, I'm not going to resign these people to contracts. Nah, there's no money in the world. Let's kill them all in Last Stand. Gross. I hate that movie.
2: Yeah. That's like my 18th complaint on my hey. list of complaints on X Men the Last Stand. <laughs> yeah, that movie is terrible. And yeah, that's why I was, it's a certain amount of X fatigue. But I mean, we had, what, two years ago, we had First Class, which really surprised me and oh, i, I really really liked and second time around mm. watching it for the show liked it even more i was like okay you can just keep doing this that's cool and then they did and then they fucked it up too mm-hmm. and then but then they're also they've done last or first class and now they're doing wolverine and i'm like okay so you're just gonna keep doing two timelines that's cool and at the end of this they're like nope mm. nope they're gonna converge we're we're gonna do some time travel shit next time
0: Yeah, like
2: oh Okay,
0: in, in a way that is very was... satisfying, but I don't know if you could call it better than first class in this
2: mm, yeah, it definitely has points that I really like, so it does.
0: it's hugely fan servicey, especially if you read the story and wanted to see that on screen mm. for years and years but yeah I was I was shocked by like, yeah, this is a really good solo film, the same way I was like I got in a conversation with someone like, I can't watch any of the solo films anymore. Like Iron Man three is dope. Like I hated it at the time, but it is a bit of a come down from Avengers. But like, there's still elegant way to to do these things. And this is one of them. Wolverine.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to see more standalone type stuff. Mm -hmm. It feels like we're getting a million billion kinds of standalones with the promise that they will converge at some point again for marvel phase eight or whatever the fuck's going on like, <laughs> you don't have to converge you know you can just make a good movie with with your one guy that's fine
0: i don't know what they're about to do but they're going to be given They're being. if you're looking at the news they're given a lot of reasons to recalibrate right now <laughs> take your time take your time because uh yeah this is i feel like this is forgotten because most people in my world were so disgusted by wolverine origins <laughs> and, yeah. It, it was very very bad but yeah i didn't even see this in theaters i think this is one of the first marvel movies i did not see in theaters and uh even i'm shocked by thinking about that now but yeah thank god it's on it's merged with disney plus at this point so it's available it's out there but uh what did you think about it die because you 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 have a you love the kung fuery far more mm, than i
2: do, yeah. usually no i i thought that was good i'm i will pretty much show up for hiroyuki sonata just about mm-hmm. any time that guy's an awesome actor and it does crack me up that he keeps getting work in you know American or English language stuff where his his job is basically show up for three scenes, be really mysterious, and then fuck someone up and then die. <laughs> but his couple scenes are really, really good. And I be mean, nice if someone like let him do something besides just be really cool. But you know mm-hmm. if that's what John Wick's gonna do, that's what John Wick's gonna do. Be really, really cool. Die.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it, it did whet my appetite for more Hugh Jackman in this. I'm weirdly uncomfortable with all that's going on with that movie. There's a lot of reasons to be nervous because I think more than anything, most Marvel MCU fans would like to see the X-Men in the MCU and treat mm. it a little
2: better.
0: Yep. See them more consistently. Yeah.
2: yeah. But also, could we get away from the, oh, it's a different title because it's got the in it.
0: I think that is like <laughs> one of the most insulting ways to say we're not rebooting. But we do not want you to confuse this with the actual first one, the Suicide Squad (laughs)
2: subtitles, bitches. Uh, Suicide Squad colon. That
0: that is what they're they're telling We we want people to jump. This is the one we'd like to to lead with. Mm -hmm. Forget about the last one. And it's so weird for Hollywood in its title to like basically ask for a do-over. Give us another chance, baby. No, B. <laughs> that's all that needs to happen. B.
2: Yeah, no. The I mean, yeah. This one, if they just called it Wolverine, mm-hmm. uh, no big difference there.
0: Yeah, and I'm, I'm the Wolverine. I'm... Okay. Yeah, cool movie. Cool movie. Yeah. recommended. Right. Yeah. I think we can all... Yeah. No. Yeah. E- even uh, someone
2: who's never seen one of these fucking things before, I think you could walk into this one and be like, "Oh, okay, you caught me up. I got gotcha.
0: you." All right, let's move on to TV. TV of 2013 through uh, 21st of July through the 27th. Uh, The Venture Brothers, The Devil's Grip, the last bit of Venture Brothers for the next two and a half years. Oh,
3: yeah. Yeah, they take such long breaks. So, yeah, in this segment of 30 2010, we're not going to talk about them until 2025.
0: (laughs) 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 Yeah, they they are. A mostly two-man team. Obviously, two people aren't animating something alone, but they are writing and concocting it and possibly storyboarding it alone. Two guys. That doesn't really happen a lot in animation, and uh, that's why it takes so long. And and if you didn't see the Rick and Morty process where they're like, we're going to renew you for 70 episodes, just so we don't have to rehire you every time and start this production all over again after a break. Just keep going. Mm-hmm. Different with animation. So, yeah.
3: Uh, but this has a pretty good ending. Uh, the stinger is the monarch and Doctor misses the monarch. Go to the monarch's old family estate, which mm-hmm. is setting up a great plot line going forward.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, including how hard it is to get good contractors <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: for your evil lair or your house. Oh.
0: Whatever. Oh, every time I think of the Blue Morpho, it throws in a shitload of confusion for Venture Brothers for me, which I was normally really, oh, really compact in my knowledge of. But,
3: mm-hmm. uh, yeah. But the the Venture Brothers in my mind, and I, I'm curious if either of you do this. I think about my life events, and like this is one of the few shows that is still getting new content that existed before I met my wife. You know, it's like a oh. pre-wife <laughs> life. Mm-hmm. This was a show on television, and yeah. it's still going to be a sh- new episode in, like, one week. A couple days, yeah.
0: Can't mm-hmm. wait. Yeah, That's fucking nuts to think about. Yeah, because, like, uh, that's, what is it, like, 2001?
2: Yeah. Uh, no, t- 2003.
0: 2003. We're going to talk about its premiere. Is when, when they, they start in 2003?
2: We talked about the, uh, the lone pilot airing as kind oh, of a test yes, run right.
0: Turtle Bay, yes. yeah uh,
2: yeah okay. literally 20 goddamn years ago
0: right okay. and the, the finale
2: is like this week
0: <laughs> i yeah and it just seems like they, never mind uh but but yeah venture brothers is just one of those great things to rediscover if you're into pulpy 1960 that, that's not even a way to undersell it just just embracing superhero spy over the top silly silliness of our pop culture past venture brothers had that all in a sweet serious and Usually, hilarious action show.
2: Yeah. And and binging helps because there are so Mm -hmm. many things that come up, you know, from the past and then end up paying off later. That, yeah, just finish the binge doing like a couple episodes a day. And it's like, it, it, yeah, is up there with the Sopranos of like, there's so many background characters. I can't keep track of you. But if I watch them all at the same time, oh, yeah, I remember you. Okay. (laughs) Cool
0: and stuff for younger folks out there. Big time Rush ends on Nickelodeon after a four year run. Oh, valiant. no,
2: not a manufactured band. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is
3: one of the more popular manufactured bands of all time. It's sure. it's like not at Hannah Montana levels, but it's not far off.
2: Yep. I, oh, my god, sure, that's In cute. Show, uh,
0: I, I, but I wanted to get mostly to the show I never ever knew existed. And seems like it had more of an opportunity to exist now than then. On Sci-Fi Channel, Joe Rogan questions everything. No. Mm-hmm. At least you could have limited what he's questioning. <laughs> Just to, <laughs> doesn't have to question everything.
1: This is
2: Everything.
3: I'm going to question everything or nothing. One of the two.
2: This is so strange because this podcast has been going on and is very popular already at this point in 2013 yeah. it's it's definitely growing in popularity they make this tv show which seems like a natural fit you know give them a topic and make a make a show and and it does very well at the outset and then they just don't make any more I don't know if mm. he just didn't want to do it or what, what happened. I'm, I'm sure
3: the podcasting was easier because it's oh, like I have to yeah. go in there, get in makeup, uh, film, have everyone uh, go all and, over me. Or I podcast off the top of my
0: head.
1: Yeah. Or I sit I gonna and I choose? get high.
0: <laughs> he was, if you don't remember the Rogan trajectory, like that dude was podcasting before it sounded good and before you could monetize it. The mm. dude just kept doing it. So he built an audience really early. And I have a feeling by 2013, this is when there's like actual money coming in to podcasting where you, you could actually decide, do I want to keep my podcast or do a Gable show? This is way less complicated and more fun. I'll take that one. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Oh boy. Can you imagine how how much work goes into a T like a major, like an NBC universal studio having to cross check him. I feel like we should pay him more, keep him on television 30 minutes a week with, with a little bit of fact checking. That'd be great.
2: That would um, be awesome. I mean, just the, the idea of it is fun of like, okay, well let's just go find out if Bigfoot's real and we will just right. ask people about aliens or Bigfoots or whatever. And I have no problem with asking questions if you want answers, there's a difference between just asking questions and searching for answers. Yeah. Uh, it's, the phrase, we're just asking questions, is, I think, the thing that has destroyed society. Like, the entire society has been wrecked by just asking questions. Well,
0: especially by people who are using that in bad faith. They're exactly. essentially you, I have no evidence of this, but what if it did happen, and yeah. then evidence came up? Think about it.
2: Yeah. It's no like, no that's why <laughs> you should to, to. you should be looking for answers
0: yeah could covid be
2: man-made i'm just asking questions well do you want us to actually look into that and find yeah. you an answer are you going to accept always the that answer key,
3: the key is is this falsifiable? Yeah. if you are asking the question how can i prove that this is a false statement mm-hmm. if you can't prove it's a false statement it's not really a question it's just noise yeah yeah and
2: it, I'm just no, I'm just asking, I'm just asking was the questions. airwaves
0: today for hours a week and again I'm not someone who's kind of enjoyed some things that Joe Rogan has done on occasion but I'm deeply <laughs> uncomfortable with his his current status but it's just he it's not exactly his fault he's in this position because he's just doing what he likes and he's in over his head like it, maybe he he didn't want to do like a show this scrutinized but that's mm. where you are and you have a little bit of responsibility there mr rogan yeah and well he's
2: also just like a massively incurious person and he just kind of believes what people tell him because well it sounded good the way he said it
0: it's fun to talk about it is fun yeah. to talk about
2: but some things you shouldn't take seriously
0: yeah there's plenty of fun conspiracy theories i don't mention here because like i don't want to add any air to this like that's it's ridiculous but mm-hmm. uh yeah the government mm-hmm. shot down those planes in 9-11 your mm-hmm. uh,
2: armenian <laughs> genocide was faked
0: <laughs> no. Uh, please uh, do not
2: message me, Armenians. Believe me, I'm on your side yeah. on this one.
0: <laughs> yeah. And then also, somewhere on Fox debuts Axe Cop.
2: Yay. Axe cop. <laughs> I think he goes to Adult Swim.
0: No. He's got a super I long,
3: in depth origin story as explained here. One
0: day at the scene of a fire, the cop found the perfect fireman axe. That was the day he became. Call.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so for our listeners who don't know this is the most popular piece of entertainment in all of world history ever created by a five-year-old because <laughs> it was some yeah. guy his five-year-old created it was like that's an interesting thing let's see you write
0: it i'll like punch it up a little and it just grew. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was a viral sensation and didn't wear out its welcome very quickly because it was still kind of a, a novelty to read. And I'm trying to get more of a handle when it when and where it aired because Fox for a long time I remember struggled to like create an adult swim animation block, but didn't really know where to put it. Do we mm. put it with our Simpsons family guy Bob's Burgers? Or I think they like cordoned it off to like weird places on Saturday and then online exclusively oh no yeah look right here it switches to fxx not even fx (laughs) the new confusingly titled fxx channel uh later on but yeah i I remember having interest in seeing this but just didn't exactly know how and no none of my friends were talking about it because you're on network television 10 years ago and you're not community okay moving out of television into games jesus the smurfs 2 i hate it When a game release forecasts what we're going to have to talk about in the coming weeks. (laughs) God damn it. (laughs) For for all you Smurfs
3: head out there, uh, I will tell you this is an action platformer where you can Smurf a bunch of Smurf and Smurfs who wouldn't know a Smurf if it Smurfed them on their Smurf.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Picross E2 3DS. I feel like a robot just reading that. It's more... Cross. If you like the original cross this gives you more of it. And, uh, oh, confusingly titled Shadowrun Returns for PC, Mac, iOS, and Droid. Oh, there's been so many returns of Shadowrun. I, I can never tell which one is which. And then Microsoft just updated the 2007 one for the first time in like 15 years this week. So I'm hella confused <laughs> where, this, where this lies. But no, know Maddie knows. So maybe we'll talk about it on VGA this week, getting one of my plugs out of the way early Video Game Apocalypse had a really great conversation about game preservation and Mario games. No, oh, what was it? Uh Mario, it was mostly Mario games that'll never get re-released. And yeah, was really happy with how the show went last week. I really was. With the creator frog fractions. Jim Sh- yeah, Video Game Apocalypse every Friday. And patreon.com/slash laser time is how you can support all us. Hundreds of free shows, new ones coming every uh every week at this point. Tune in for that. The the thing JR and I did with AI. I I don't know. Maybe I'll make that available to everyone because it was just so much fun. A stress release, a good excuse to research something we weren't necessarily going to talk about otherwise. And yeah, a conversation about AI that I don't know. I, I haven't heard exactly happening in any of the spaces where experts might know more than us. Uh, So thank you for that again, Jr. That was really good to do that with you. All your mid-journey knowledge. Um, (laughs) Yeah, die. where can folks find you at?
2: They can find me on the Twitter for now at listeningerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D, or follow the show at 302010podcast. That's 302010podcast coming up next week. Well, yeah, Smurfs too. Well, I mean... Yeah, you don't have to wait around for Smurfs 2.
0: It's not even a spoiler, it's just spoiled.
2: But we have a film that's possibly the epitome of America's fear of Japan. Not the Wolverine. It's it's a different... We have um, the third in a... trilogy rounding it out which I think is better than the second one but not as good as the first one we'll see who fucks a pie this time Mm. one of the most notorious bombs of all time a movie that everyone was ready to hate and then it came out and they hated it and I have the press kit still and I am going to read highlights from the press kit of Gigli
3: Wow. And, if, wow. and
2: if that were not enough, we're men. We're men in tights. We roam around the forest looking for fights. We're men. We're men in tights. Menly men.
0: I can't believe we all have the same background with this movie. Can't wait.
2: <laughs> and if uh, that and if... weren't enough, though, Chris, we have an SNL adjacent Hello. film.
0: Woman. Woman. Thank Whoa, you. man. Thank you. They make me horny Saturday morning. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and on the non-movie front, we will be searching for Eden on the Super Nintendo.
0: Hmm.
3: It's Toadstool Tour Time. Oh, I love it. And the Shield
0: Goes Portable.
3: Hmm.
0: I don't even know what that means. What but I mean? can't wait to find out next week and tell all my friends about the show and give five bucks to patreon.com slash laser time. Die Who Died? I, I caught one of these because it was huge news.
2: It was huge news.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: it wasn't John Schlesinger who died in <laughs> 1977, which is unfair. Or, I'm sorry, he died in 2003, he was 77. And that that's unfair because he made a bunch of really good movies like Midnight Cowboy and Billy Liar and Day of the Locust, Marathon Man, Cold Comfort Farm. Fortunately, his last film is the next best thing with Madonna. Why? <clears throat> Why? But the one that made the news, I'm, I'm assuming, is uh, 2003 is when we lost Bob Hope, all of 100 years old.
0: I... I think it was I'm not saying it's the one I was waiting for, but like we live in an era now where our celebrities pull like a Connery or a Jack Nicholson. I don't know that he's dying, but like they disappear from the public eye. Bob Hope almost never went away. And for I think like nine consecutive decades was somehow involved in entertainment at the highest possible level, be it network television or the top of a movie marquee. And I don't love him. But he fascinates me just because, like, how do you do this this long? Oh, my dear Lord.
2: Mm -hmm. Uh, Yep. Well, one of the things you do is you buy land from Japanese (laughs) Americans who were being interned during World War II.
0: Yeah, babe. It's dynamite.
2: Yeah, that's part of how we got
0: to own so much (laughs) of Burbank. Financial decision, that one.
2: Yeah. The one that makes me the saddest, though, is 2013. It's when we lost Dennis Farina who is 69. And yeah, I guess that's
0: nice. Net nice. Don't go to London.
2: We don't get actors like him anymore. Period.
0: Yeah. A, a guy with a, like a, a, sound and like a cadence of force around him that he wasn't even an actor. He just had to be an actor. Like <laughs> uh, uh, actual Chicago hard-nosed got, cop. Was he a cop or like a, a street guy? But uh, yeah, like yeah, just he something. Was a genuine cop. About him. Yeah.
2: Yeah, 18 years uh, in the Chicago police divorce.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it never happens where then you go on to host Unsolved Mysteries and be in the wonderful Midnight Run.
2: Yeah, come on. Yeah, Midnight Run, Crime Dash. Story on TV, which was like critically acclaimed, but then nobody watched it. Yeah, I mean, eventually he's got to be on Law & Order, obviously. It was like, it had to happen.
0: Best Chicago accent on in pop culture. Love it. Yep. Quoted Snatch, because that's where you a lot of people I know yeah. him
2: from. Oh, but I mean, out of sight, get shorty. Oh, oh, oh. so good. Oh, yeah. Not well, bad. And,
0: and 69 felt too early, but, you know, he <laughs> was a cop for 18 years, probably had yeah. a lot of stress. Yeah. Built up a lot of stress over that.
1: Yep. Home All right. Deck. But um. if
3: people have died, then it's time for the birthday quiz.
0: Oh, birthday is a doodly. Ding dong, do the ding dong, do.
3: No longer with us, but if they were, they would be turning an even 100. Wow. Born in New York City, July 25th, 1923, to Charles Schur and Sarah Schur, Whoa. Jewish immigrants from Poland. So uh, Schur.
0: just throwing so out a wild
3: guess. <laughs> uh, she changed her last name, which is why I mentioned it. Oh. She. Struggled in the New York theater circuit for decades Mm. while holding down jobs and performing. It wasn't until 1982, when she was almost 60 years of age, that she had her breakthrough role as Miss Beckoff in the Broadway production of Torch Song. Oh. After that, she was in a uh, couple of TV shows, one of which, if I name, you will instantly know. Mm. She had a strong fear of death to the point of where she avoided making jokes about death whenever possible, which was hard given the show she was on.
0: Is she on Dead Like Me? Rebecca Gayhart? No. Damn. (laughs) Movies of hers. I'm
2: sorry. I'm stuck because I am stuck on the name of the character of the TV show I am thinking of.
0: Mm.
3: Okay. Can I give you that? I will accept it, but can you hold off for one second? Okay. I will give you the win, but let me just name the movie she's been in. Okay. 1987's Mannequin. 1992's Stop or My Mom Will Shoot.
2: Yes, oh, I was right. I was right. I was right. Wait, fuck. What's her name? The Goonies Lady? Give me a second. No. Give me a second. No. The Goonies Lady. Estelle Getty.
3: Estelle Getty for yes! the win. I'm, wow. Is it really Estelle Getty?
2: Sitting there going, yep. Sophia Petrillo? Sophia Petrillo. Sophia Petrillo. Mm. What's her fucking name?
3: She was not that much older than her Golden Girl stars. It's just she played an older woman better than them. Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, she had to do makeup and hair. Is, that's not what she looked like.
0: <laughs> Wait, really? No. Yeah. No? Really? We'll no, look at her and idea. stop
2: on My Mom Will Shoot.
0: I don't that's remember. What like, she, look, she looks, only know her from Golden Girls.
2: Yeah. Picture um, it. Sicily,
3: 1918. Oh. <laughs> uh, so... Getty was 68 years old. White was 70 years old. Arthur was 69 years old. And McLaughlin was 58 years old. And that's at the series finale. Wow.
0: So weird. Given like. Man. My parents don't look like that, but they're so much older.
2: I want to be Rue McLanahan and play a retiree when I'm only 58. I want to yes. retire.
0: <laughs> I want to retire by playing a retiree that becomes the, like, the highest rated comedy <laughs> of the era. Ugh. God damn! Well, uh, R.I.P. Estelle Getty. I love your photographs. I I'm happy <laughs> that you my That's <laughs> <laughs> a dumb joke. It
2: man.
0: is a dumb joke, but it's the end of the show, and the fewest people heard it. So,
2: all right. Well, <laughs> I want to go out with something that we did not discuss in Coneheads. The one piece I of re- Coneheads' lasting legacy. I re-
0: I refrain from discussing the Peter Ackroyd written Coneheads love, which is a song in the credits and on the soundtrack because there's a much more huge song on the soundtrack that i love every time it's on the radio i love pointing out where it's from it's, this I, is from Cornheads. heads
2: i was shocked because i found out okay, red hot chili peppers recorded it while they were doing blood sugar sex magic but it didn't make the album but it was a b-side maybe to something but two years late after that album came out this is on the charts and yeah it originates on <laughs> The Conehead sound,
0: and it's it's not like an affiliation you can avoid because the music video has Chris Farley in it and a Conehead,
2: and it's one of their best songs. I don't uh, understand how it got left off of Blood Sugar Sex Magik, which is a great album, that has a ton of like, great songs, but
0: that might have like the most singles of like my yeah. teenage years. Like that, like eight songs became number one off of that thing. It's crazy.
2: Yeah, and and this one, like the calm down, sweet kind of romantic song. Soul to Squeeze, which, yeah, I hear this all the time still.
0: Yeah, yeah. So never hesitate to point it out to your friends. If it wasn't for Dan Akkowitz, Coneheads, you never would have heard this. But you were buying LP singles. But we're going to go out with Soul to Squeeze by the Red Hot Chili Peppers, track number four on the Coneheads original motion picture <laughs> soundtrack. <laughs> Goddamn. Right alongside Tainted Love, which I'd never heard that song before either. No. And I can't hear it without doing eh. eh. I,
1: got,
0: I can't, again, I can't do it Dan Akroyd. So good. The movie's great. No. Taking me away from the show, everyone's no, recommending this. No. Everyone's recommending this. Is, this hey, is slander know? or libel. I can never <laughs> remember which is which. <laughs> Both, I think. But thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Where
1: I go, I just don't know. Like I too, got to, got to, gotta take it slow. When i my he said